is the Generations to Hunt podcast, where the goal is to learn together and further the culture of hunting. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to the Generations of Hunt podcast. Uh, I'm Matt. I'm with Joe today. Uh, he's finally back from up north, and we're back from Kansas. And I'm back here with Mike. Um, if you've listened to the last uh, podcast, you'll probably know where we're going to go with this one. But uh, Joe, Mike, how are you guys uh, doing today? Doing pretty good. Uh, drove up from North Carolina this morning to bring your deer back and your antlers and all your hunting stuff. And uh, got back early enough to sit in the woods and see 30 deer, um, no shooters, a lot of small bucks, and uh, a lot of does. So, so came right over here. Quite a bit different than Kansas. Uh, well, in uh, 10 days in Kansas, I did not see one doe sitting in the stand. So, yeah, a little bit different than Kansas. <laughs> yeah, I'd say so. Joe, uh, you're just getting back from up north with uh, for deer camp. Oh, shit. Did you see any deer? I did not see one deer the first, I mean, this last trip. I didn't see one deer. And then the trip up there, I was up there on opening day. I seen a couple small, small deer. That's not going to make for a great podcast story. <laughs> I know. I'm a terrible podcast host. Um, you need to go shoot a deer up there. No. It's such big. It's it's like true timber, I guess. It How is. north are you going? It's, um, man, I mean, I think I'm like almost parallel with Gaylord. You know what I mean? But, you know. East, way east. You know. So you're below the bridge. Oh yeah, but it's I'm Glenny is like Sheboygan Tawas area. No, it's like it's it's Glenny is called the heart of the Huron because it's in the dead center of the Huron National Forest. Okay. So I mean, it's just there's no deer there. I mean, yeah, no. The so, buck poles, the buck poles had seven deer on it. Bucks. Oh my goodness! <laughs> and okay. there wasn't one over one ten. And this was on opening day. Nobody. Is this a family tradition to go? Yeah, there I just go okay. up there with my dad. Okay. Did anybody in the group shoot it? Shoot at a deer? No. Okay. I'm the only one that's seen a deer. <laughs> I couldn't I, do it. I, I, I understand. Day. Like it's a family. What do you mean thing, you but... couldn't do it? We just did it for seven days yeah, yeah. in Kansas. Yeah. But yeah, but you have a potential for a monster <laughs> to walk by. I have a potential of nothing walking by me. <laughs> and once they took like baiting up there down, it killed. Them. Oh, I can imagine. I mean, a lot of people still do it, but yeah. Is that in one of the zones where they uh, killed off everything for CWD and, and opened well, it up more? Well, this zone actually didn't have baiting because of the tuberculosis. Mm. Like, they had the no bait. Did I say it wrong? <laughs> you did absolutely butcher that word. What is it? Just say TB. <laughs> D- TB? <laughs> Just say TB. <laughs> tuberculosis is uh, how it's pronounced, but TB is fine. You're good. TV. <laughs> TV so, is way easier. To yeah, say. TV. So we, I think they stopped baiting in that county for for TV. Um, fuck, probably early two thousands. Yeah. So okay. Yeah, I remember that. So I remember when baiting was allowed down here. Wondering why it was. You were in middle there. school in the middle two thousands. You don't right. remember that? No, I don't remember when it got banned. I'm saying like uh, when baiting was legal. When I got into hunting. Like, there was a couple, of, a handful of counties that you weren't allowed to bait in. Yeah. And it's kind of almost near that, remember the Air Force Base, like, three or four years ago, where they say you can't eat the deer up there from all that shit in the water? 
it's almost by that area. I'll I be mean, honest, I don't keep track of the up north too much. Oh, uh, well, I guess I know about it. They just said don't eat any deer with that are glowing at night. It's all radioactive. I like a good rule of thumb. Yeah, <laughs> shy away from that deer. But uh, so to, to get a little bit back on track, so today's episode, we're going to talk quite a bit more about the high part of our Kansas trip. So obviously, if you listen to our last uh, podcast with uh, Mike and I, it was pretty low, and uh, we didn't see a whole lot. Um, we went over some things to kind of watch out for and then explained how we didn't see a single like deer for six days. Uh, this is going to be much more adventurous and a lot more exciting, I would have to say, because the last two days were drastically different. It's actually kind of cool because driving up here from North Carolina today, uh, I listened to the podcast that we did in Kansas, uh, and it was cool to be able to relive that uh, and think through it a little bit and think about uh, how things changed very, very quickly. Yeah. And the, the, well, another thing is Joe hasn't heard your story yet, Mike. Nope. He's gotten cliff notes when we were still pretty jacked up on my deer. Um so a lot of this is going to be new for Joe. So And my deer involves rattling, blind calling, and a decoy. So he's probably going to be very happy about it. No. Yeah, right up Joe's alley. Yeah. But <laughs> I don't believe it. <laughs> the decoys in this Jeep that he's renting right oh, now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Was it, did you just use a doe decoy? No, it's or, a buck decoy. Oh. It's about a, it looks like a three and a half year old 120, yeah. um, which for Kansas is appropriately sized for michigan it's kind of big um do you think it would have scared them if you would have used a doe because they're just not used to that many i can't believe the doe buck ratio is so it was much insane so i so matt seen the most deer and the most does i think he's seen like 10 does through the whole week he was there i seen and two. it very well could have been the same group of five right. twice yeah right. i seen two i seen an injured fawn day like three or four and then the day I take my first shot in Kansas, he was with the doe. Now, oh, that being no, said, like, we, we saw quite a few other does driving around yeah. later. Uh, yeah. But in stands, we only seen a few. Right. Um, everything changed, really. The last, So I think we ended the last podcast on day seven or eight. I forget. So I will say the first week of our trip now blurs together, simply just because of how it ended. Well, dumpster fires tend to do that. <laughs> dumpster fires just blur together, which is what the first seven days were. Yeah. Um, I think we're going to pick back up on November 8th. November, the morning of November 8th. Yep. So if you listen to the last podcast, so Joe, I, I know you haven't had time because you've been working. Joe's working on vacation, so he needs to get some shit figured out. Yeah. But uh, day eight, we had moved to a new property. Um. Got set up about 10 in the morning, I think, mm -hmm. and about 5 o'clock at night. So it got, it got later, about 7 o'clock there, even after time change. And uh, so, no, after time change, it was 6 o'clock. Yep. So 5 o'clock, I get a text from Mike, and it says... I wonder if I, I can't, I know I can't find it. We've texted too much since then. It was essentially just it said, big buck. It said, holy fuck, there's a giant yes. 250 yards out. And then I don't hear it. Like I'm immediately jacked up. I haven't seen anything yet. And uh, he doesn't text back. Like there's no text back anywhere in there. And uh, I don't know, five, 10 minutes later, his texts don't make 
a lick of sense other than I think I missed. That's because I'm still shaking like crazy. Uh, so we talked about this on the last podcast, but we'll review it here. So it was um, maybe the second sit after we got to that back to that property. Or I guess we got there at 10 a.m. It was that evening. It was that right? first evening, yeah. Um, so about 5 o'clock, I'm looking across the field a couple hundred yards. And again, I have not seen a deer in Kansas while in a stand yet. And again, this is, this is day 7, maybe day 8. And uh, so I'm pretty frustrated. So if any deer walks out, I'm going to be jacked. <laughs> and I see this deer... Um, and it looked massive. It, it might as well have been a, a moose walking across cause it made this CRP field and it made these trees dwarfed. Um, and I knew, and I, and I talked about this in the last podcast, I knew this deer had two options cause the river that it was following had about a 20 to 30 foot straight drop off. I mean like a cliff. So that deer either had to follow that timber line all the way to me or it had to double back. And, um, it's before, right before it disappeared into the oxbow, the inside oxbow, is when I texted you. And then when it came back out, that's when my phone got put down. And I didn't pull it back out until <laughs> after I stopped shaking. And this thing follows the line, right, honestly, right where we thought it was going to go. Yeah, because um, we had talked about it before you set the stand-up. Because I remember we discussed you setting where you ended up moving your stand yep. to. And after you shot, I said, why weren't you sitting there? Because I thought that's where you were going to sit. So when we when we went to go set my stand up, we looked at two locations. One where I sat the first day, and essentially one where I ended up setting. Yeah. Uh, a couple days later, or, or two hunts later, and um, the reason I sat in the first spot is because the wind. If I was in the other spot, the wind would have been coming right out. So the wind was good. The, the wind was right in my face. I'm a left-handed shot, and he came in right from the right. Um, I had to adjust a little bit, but um, he was moving pretty good. He was moving pretty good, and um, he was coming in, and I ranged where I thought he was going to be, and he stepped up into that spot. Well, I ranged a piece of a, a tree behind where he was going to be, and it ranged at 50, and um, I think I told you I pretty much like blacked out when, uh, as soon as he got in, uh, <laughs> in my sight, I was like, okay, I'm, I don't know what's going on here. First deer I've seen, I'm shaking. He was all of 150 plus, um, well, real wide, real tall, a lot of mass. My deer, I think it's a safe, safe bet that that deer was 150 inches. Over. Yeah, I, I think so too. And um, yeah, I missed way over his back. I can't even say that he like jumped a string. I can't say that he did anything because I was, uh, I was shaking. First buck in Kansas, massive, biggest buck I've ever seen. Um, and I don't remember even watching the arrow fly. Cause I, I blacked out, um, <laughs> but I know I didn't hear a thump and I know I heard, um, the, where it hit a bunch of branches and went down into that riverbed. So, um, that was the, uh, what is that? The night of the seventh, probably. I think it was the eighth. Was it the eighth? Yeah. I should have looked this up before. Cause I have all, I, clearly we were texting the whole time. I'm, I'm almost positive it was the eighth. So the seventh or the eighth. Anyway, it's our first yeah. day at the new property and, um, that was that. And I realized at that point that I had this decoy, this uh, this buck decoy, three and a half year old, 120 inch decoy, that if I'd have had it out there, he probably would have come right in. Right, which we talked about on the last podcast because the baby bucks. So, you know, in Michigan, we have baby bucks running everywhere, Joe. Mm-hmm. So the baby bucks in Kansas apparently are a lot ballsier than any buck we have in Michigan because... He put his decoy up, and these two year and a half year old deer were like acting like they were gonna fight it. I got a, I got a video. I'll show you the video before you leave here. But uh, so the next day, the next morning, I didn't see anything in the morning, but I had the decoy out. 
because uh, I already had my stand set. And in the evening, I took a, I saw these small bucks, a year and a half old six point, and then what looked like a spike, uh, walking up. And they were both coming in about 50, 60 yards away, came in from the rear end of the decoy, and uh, circled around to the front just like they were supposed to. And these two young bucks were like working together, ready to like jump this 120 inch decoy. And uh, they came right up on him, and uh, they played with him for a little bit. And I think we mentioned last podcast, they ran away. I grunted them back into the decoy. They ran away, and I grunted them back into the decoy. So I was messing with these little bucks for probably 30 or 40 minutes before it got dark. So when did you actually move your tree stand? That next um, that next morning. I So not that next morning. After I saw the little bucks with the decoy, I then then moved it after the morning hunt the next day. Okay, yeah, and then it was November. I'm just I've I've given up on dates. At some point, we discussed last time. I get across the creek. Yep. And I will say, uh, we'll get to that in a minute. But even after you missed your deer, so I moved my stand. Yeah. The same, and then that after the next morning, we were gonna move your stand. Yeah, but even after you missed your deer, I remember. We got back to the truck and we weren't even mad, really. Like we were actually no. I finally felt like I was in the game. I hadn't seen yeah. a deer since then. I was like, okay, there's a big buck in the area. I've seen a deer in Kansas, and I'm in the game. Like we were a I'm, little. I missed an arrow on a broadhead, but I'm in the game. Yeah, like we were a little disappointed that we didn't or that you didn't get the deer, but we were happy. Like this is why we came down here to to get opportunities like this. Um, and then two days later. I moved my stand across the creek, and this was... Uh, the wind changed, so I moved my stand to the other yeah. the other side of the creek, too. So this is where I had a lot of rookie mistakes. I made a lot of mistakes in this, this, this specific part of our Kansas hunt. I make up for it later, but, boy, you're going to laugh at a lot of the things I do here. So night before... I moved my stand to the other side of the creek. Yep. Which was no easy task. No, that that part sucked. I put it on a tree that had a significant lean, but the offset bracket for my XOP made it so it was bearable. Well, then when I got in the stand in the morning, it shifted and it was like bad. Like it was You were leaning hard. Yeah, it was sketchy bad. So finally like I was actually going to just move the stand. And I finally decided I'll just get out and move it down a little bit and see if that'll straighten it out. And it did. And literally 10 minutes later, I look up and there's a doe at 30 yards. So this is the first deer I've seen in... This is the second deer I've seen the whole time. And I get my phone out. I start taking pictures of it, taking videos of it, because I'm so happy that there's a peak deer. rut in Kansas for those that are wondering. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's not uh, like there's anything following a doe around. Well, yeah. it gets worse. So I hear a grunt. Okay. So I look, I look, I don't see anything. Which is your bow in your hand or no? No. Oh. Not a chance. I still have my phone in my hand because I'm looking at this <laughs> stupid deer. So, um. And I hear the grunt. This was the ne- that was that morning. Yeah, right? it was yeah, the, it was the morning, morning. Yeah, I hear a grunt. It just grunts once, and I don't think anything of it because for the last week I've been in Kansas and I haven't seen anything. I'm just so excited to see it here. You probably think it's me, like three, four hundred yards. Yeah, because sound traveled yeah. so far down there, and so 
whatever, I'm taking pictures. She gets to a spot where I can't see her anymore. Whatever, I put my phone away, and I look over, and 53 yards, I know because I ranged him, is a giant. And I believe this is the same deer Mike missed two nights, two, two nights prior. Because mm-hmm. it's the same property, only a couple hundred yards yeah, away. Yeah, same property. If not, it was a very similar age class and, and size deer. Yeah. And so we've made one dumb mistake by pissing around with a doe on your phone, and I'm about to make it a whole lot worse. Instead of just thinking through any of my next moves, I grabbed my bow and stand up. Didn't check where the doe was at. Didn't do anything well. The doe had now moved out in front of me to where she could see me, and she picked me off immediately. And you completely forgot about the doe because you saw yep. Big Bucky hanging out over there at yep. 53 yards. And so... And how far was the doe away from your stand? Like, like how how close did close she skirt that he you? Should have seen her. <laughs> so, no, I mean, like, how close was she when she skirted you or walked? She in was front like of you? forty. Oh. I would say thirty or forty. I don't really know because she, when she had cut in front. Well, of me, look at your phone. She was at thirty, <laughs> and I couldn't see her anymore. And I don't know if she went out or what. She wasn't very far. She was close enough that if if I would have just thought through this situation, well, she's gonna probably cut her track, right? Or if I would have thought through this situation, I'd have had this deer at 20 yards. I'll guarantee it. I will. Put, it, I would put money on it. But it's the same thing on when I saw him, right? We yeah. hadn't seen deer in so long that we had not had our bows in our hands. We had not been ranging live animals. We were not used to watching animals around us because we had not seen anything. We it was were like being so lulled to sleep and then all of a sudden just boom. Yeah. So, yeah, so she busts out. He doesn't. But I know at this moment... I'm about to take a shot that most people are going to advise against, uh, which I, I don't really care. I felt comfortable taking the shot. But it you're, just, I mean, at a target, you're you're on at 50. Yeah. Like you shoot so he does, he comes to 50 and I range him at 50 exactly. And I've said, this I can make this shot. I did expect him to move, like be by the time the arrow got there, I didn't expect him to move the direction he went. So I expected him to drop. In my experience, most of the time they'll jump the string and they'll just kind of drop. And I would say I aimed a little bit lower than I normally would. Expecting that. He didn't do that at all. He went straight forward. He just ran straight forward. Like lunged forward. And I knew as soon as I hit that I was a little high in in the back. And I don't know that my arrow was high. I think it was just because he lunged and his back end came down. So I knew immediately, like, oh, shit. Like, this is not And at 50 yards, it gives him way more time to react, so he's going to move further. Yeah. So I knew immediately it wasn't good. So you still thought it was lethal. I did. I did think it was a lot more forward than we end up finding out. Um, So I end up... I'm... In a weird emotion state. Like, I'm jacked up. This is the biggest deer I've ever put an arrow in. And, uh, but I know, like, this isn't good. Like, I know, like, it's not great. So I figured we left it all night. Um, I actually hung out in the woods. This was at 8 o'clock in the morning. I hung out in the woods. I laid on the ground. I took a nap because I couldn't leave because Mike. He had to walk through the bedding area that I was going to end up hunting you yeah. could have blown my whole hunt. There was no way to get out of that property. No, so I just stayed there all day. I mean, I had food. I had already planned to stay all day anyway, so it wasn't like it was a huge deal. 
So I just laid there. I but went you out. found blood. I did go out and I found blood and marked it and then uh, hung out or whatever. And then it's five o'clock again. That must have been your time because like mm-hmm. five o'clock out of left field. There wasn't even a like a warning text like, hey, I'm seeing deer. It was literally I wasn't. five o'clock. Mike sends a text. I just smoked a buck. And I was like, what? I just packed all my, I called him on the phone, got some details, packed all my stuff, and it was way easier to cross that creek going back to go oh, look I for bet. your deer than it ever was going across. So, go, so going back to your shot, though, you did exactly what people should have done, right? That you get it, If there's a bad shot, you, you found your arrow, or you looked for your arrow, you found some first blood, you marked that blood, but you did not go any further. You, you We let that deer sit for a good 20 hours. Yeah, so once after the shot is when I stopped compounding my stupid mistakes and started doing things semi-smart. Like You, you did find an arrow? Never found No, we didn't arrow. find oh. We found blood, though. Found oh. blood, but, like, I mean, this whole situation is a lot easier to take, uh, well, because of that, but... Uh, at the time, it was kind of rough again um, because I knew a lot of that was my fault. Like, I knew a lot of why that deer wasn't shot at 20 yards was because of everything I messed up in between. But thankfully, the one thing I didn't mess up was I waited, I think, like two hours to even go look for blood. Knowing the shot was bad, I literally just found first blood, marked it, and left. We didn't even remotely go back in until eight thirty, nine o'clock the next morning. Yep. So um, you heard the decoy with the little bucks. After that, the wind was changing the next day. So around midday, 10 o'clock, 10.30, I moved the stand over no more than 50 yards away. Essentially, whereas if that buck would have come by, the big buck would have come by, I would have had him at 20 yards, broadside, good to go. And the wind was in my face, blowing to, towards the creek that was right behind me. So I knew it, what, there was nothing behind me that was going to get winded because there's nothing that could cross there. So if the deer came from either of the two directions they could come from, my wind was going to be perfect. So I moved the decoy again, and I had the decoy sitting about 20 yards straight out in front of me, just uh, not facing right at me, but slightly off. And um, it was in a cut wheat field, right? Is that what it was? It was cut wheat field? Yeah, because to this day, I'm still blown away we've seen deer in a cut wheat field. Because in Michigan, we talked about this earlier, Michigan deer, big bucks especially, do not hang out. I saw four different bucks in that same cut wheat field. So did I. The the places where we killed our deer in Michigan, it don't happen. It just doesn't make sense. So it's about 5 o'clock, it's getting to the evening, and um, I had given a bit of a grunt rattle sequence, right? So I grunt, grunt rattle a little bit, put them down, and then gave another grunt sequence and um, set my stuff down. And I could see straight out in front of me if there was a lot of cover to the left, which is where the other buck could come from. And I knew there was bedding over there. And I knew that essentially they could not see me until they were already going to be smoked. So I start hearing something and I look around this big branch and I see this buck coming. I see him about 50 or 60 yards. And he's coming in just like you'd expect him to, right? Where the wind is perfect He's coming from his bedding. He came out, saw the decoy, and started cutting right across that field. And he was coming in just like we'd expect to come and kind of J-hook down and face towards the front of that buck. And he comes in, and he stops right behind this branch. And I have the bow up, and I'm ready to go. Takes a step, 
and I'm shooting a crossbow, right? For all the for all the true archery uh, people, I know, I know. I'd have preferred to have a compound. Actually, we talked about that when I was there, but um, I took a crossbow, and I had to wait for him to get further out because a left-handed shot with this crossbow, the limbs are horizontal, right? And if as I shot, one of the limbs would have hit this other branch, so I knew I had to wait. And he comes in right at 20 yards, and I smoke him right where we want to. It ended up being a double long and the and the heart. Yeah, it, it, um, the heart. He, he took off and uh, full pass through, took off down into the creek bottom that I was near the other day, and he probably didn't go, what, 40 yards, maybe 50? He didn't go very far. Um, he went down I a know, steep hill, which yeah, was a pain. Yeah, I know I seen him before Mike did. Yeah. But before we go to finding him, uh, so you're still not a believer in blind calling? No, absolutely not. Really? I mean, I'm, I guess after maybe seven, eight days of not seeing shit, I would. Do say, you believe in deer vocalization? Yeah, oh, for sure. I've okay, experience at all, but I mean, it's tough for me to to do something when I know I can't get away with the properties I'm hunting. So yeah, if if you come to Kansas with us next year, you're not going to try to blind call it. I all. think it's I think it's different if it's private property. Well, or it's private property that you know you're going to be at versus if it's Weehaw or public land where if you blow it up, you just go to the other place. Right. It's not a huge deal. Well, that's what we did. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe if I'm striking out. Well, I'm striking out right now in Michigan. So. <laughs> <laughs> but I still, I don't even think. I think it's different there, though, because like today, I saw 23 does and 7 bucks. There, I saw, while in a stand, 5 bucks and 0 does. Right. So I think with the the buck to doe ratio calling becomes way better because I would more say aggressive. yeah I was definitely more aggressive in Kansas and then if you watch the video you'll see <laughs> bucks in Kansas are so much more aggressive and so much more apt to come to calling territorial and then you added the decoy in and it pretty much sealed yeah what if you didn't have that decoy i think if i didn't have the decoy i think he would have come out out of his bedding to that edge of the field looked around and went right back down in there. Yeah, i think he, he saw the decoy and that's what brought him in yeah and he was during rut and they're kind of all love drunk and all that mm-hmm. so he was just i think without the decoy in open fields like that you're not going to get him yeah but i guess i wouldn't i guess that is blind calling but I don't know. I, I, yeah. So that's again, I was that, on that a, scenario I was, was perfect. A, I was on a 30 to 45 minute sequence though. All day, every 30, 45 minutes, maybe an hour, I'm hitting, hitting a rattling sequence and a grunt sequence. For all seven days? All, well. Whatever. Well, it depends. For, for so the like, most part. During the middle of the day, I did a lot less calls. Yeah, yeah, Let's yeah. say you only had seven days and didn't get that third duck. Then I wouldn't believe, I wouldn't believe it. What? Because... You know what I mean? Well, you didn't break the decoy out until day seven. That's right. what I'm saying. Yeah. But if he didn't bring that out, he just was out there just rattling all that. Maybe that's the reason why he didn't see nothing. I mean, it, I guess that's Who knows? the point. But I mean, I'm just saying. <laughs> I um, mean, I, again, I, I think any vocalization or any calling, it, it's just like any humans, right? It depends on the type of mood they're in. Oh, yeah. If they're with a lady, if they're looking for a lady, if they had another buck that pissed them off in the morning, or if they think there's a buck in their area. All of those factors and what their mood is and their hormone levels is going to determine how responsive they are, which is why different types of calling is so different during different times of the season. Right. And uh, I guess you didn't call after you seen the deer at all. No, he was on a beeline for the yeah. block. I didn't need to. 
pants. Yeah, once I, that that was pretty much you were able to read his body language mm-hmm. and know this deer is going to walk. I never even got put the binos on him because by the time I looked around that branch, and for those of you that can't, obviously you can't see me because we're on a podcast, mm-hmm. I'm <laughs> leaning back and looking to the left around this branch. He was already coming in, and I knew, I couldn't tell how big he was, but I knew he was big enough that I was going to shoot him. Mm-hmm. And it ends up being your biggest deer by far. Yeah, for sure. My biggest deer... Um, it'll be my first shoulder mount. It's not a huge deer for Kansas, right? We scored it, uh, or I scored it back in North Carolina, dropped it off at the taxidermist. Um, for Kansas, it's not that big, but for me, it's, uh, it's a two and a half year it old. It was what we went down there for though. Yeah. My, 100%. my goal, my goal was at least a two and a half year old. And I was hoping to get something in the one twenties and, um, it didn't quite reach that. It was just under one fifteen. but again, it's my, it's my biggest bow kill. It's my biggest my biggest buck, so I, can, I was happy with it. I can tell you, we were both jacked up. Yeah, we so we we started tracking it, and there wasn't much blood in that wheat field. If you've ever tried tracking through a cut wheat field, let me tell you, not it's not the easiest thing in the world because they're well, just because it had a little bit of what's, I don't know what that grass is called, but the grass, some of the stems on the grass get this rusty like red color. Yeah, mm-hmm. so it looks like it could be blood. Um, I will tell you though, and I don't, I've never shot Rage before, but on this crossbow, that's what I was using. And when we got up to this deer, the hole in this deer was massive. Well, I will say, once we hit the woods, oh, it was everywhere. it was easy, easy blood track. There was no blood for the first twenty yards, which was all wheat field. But right. when, once that deer hit the woods, there was, there was blood everywhere, and yeah. then. I caught a glimpse of the antler, and I said, Mike, he's right there. You were in the river bottom, and I was still following the well, blood trail up on, I, the, on the Yeah, once I ledge. seen the antler, I jumped down, and I said, it's right there. And Mike's like, I can't see it. And no, it's not. And I was like, it's right. I jumped down in the river, and I can see it now, plain as day. And Mike is still up on the hill like, I can't see it. I can't see I was, it. <laughs> I was taking my time. I was I was trying to be slow because I, uh, I was ready for it. Uh, so we walk up on it, and the first thing I see is the hole that that rage left. And again, normally I'm a, I'm a G5 Montec fixed blade, but when I was shooting this bow, I, I bought a broadhead target, and I could not get these fixed blades to fly right. So like three days before the Kansas hunt, I'm texting Minkus like, dude, what am I going to do? These will not fly right. They're not flying consistently. I don't know if it was the veining on the bolts with the, with the broadheads that were on there, but I said, I'm going to have to go to mechanical and I, I don't want to do that. So I went and bought mechanicals and then re- retuned it, re- recited stuff in and they were flying straight. And I was like, okay, I guess this is what I'm doing. Cause I've always been about those Montec G5s. Yeah. Uh, did you, are the high- was it the Rage Hypodermics? It was the, I think it was the Trifin two blade, oh, two right. plus inch. Um, and it, I mean. Well, I will say the blade he used, this is like a once in a lifetime Rage because we used this again. Yeah, so I cleaned it. I found it the next day and I uh, I cleaned it. Because remember, I, it was, they come in a two pack apparently for like fifty bucks, which is just crazy. I thought, and the I one, three, the one I'd already shot over the first year's back, so it was gone. Uh, <laughs> and the other one, and these were the no collar. The other ones that I had had a collar on them, and I just wasn't as big of a fan of those mechanicals. So uh, I clean it up, and and Minkus goes, "I thought you lost this." I said, "Dude, this is the one I put through that buck." He goes, "No way." Yeah, it was clean. No nicks. Looked brand new, um, and was is yeah was in great shape until you lost it. Yeah, we'll get to that. But so then we get to Mike's deer and we're, it's still daylight. We're like, yeah, it's, we probably got 40 minutes of light left. But we spend 30 of it 
like just in almost all like this really just happened. Like, holy shit. Like we actually came to Kansas and we got a deer. And I say we because Mike and I traveled everywhere together down yep. there. We did everything together. All we, of our stand locations, we essentially, you know, figured out together, talked about together. What were we doing? Yeah. So it was like, it, it was a hundred percent a win for both of us. Like we, we finally got a deer on the ground and you called your wife and your kids and they were all jacked up. I'm taking pictures. Yeah, I'm like, FaceTiming with my four <laughs> and six year old and they're loving it. Yeah. So, and then we realized quickly how angry we were at Matt and Tyler again, because we had to drag it out. That They were supposed to get a deer cart uh, and they had one on the Facebook marketplace for like 50 bucks. Uh, in Midland, and they never went and picked it up. So we, uh, this deer was down in a creek bottom, and when I say creek bottom, we looked at that hill and we're like, ah, oh, crap. So we had two drag straps, and I'm we're both grabbing trees, pulling up there, and I must have fallen down, I don't know, three or four times climbing up this hill, and it's a steep grade. We're literally on our hands and knees climbing up this hill. Uh, and then, you know, once we got it up the hill, it was only a couple hundred yards back to the truck through a cut wheat field. Uh, but yeah, these that... deer are big. Yeah. Yeah, they're drastically – it's so weird to think that a deer – I know it's the Midwest, but like, like a thousand miles south of us is that much bigger. I don't really know how to explain it. I'd say the best – Southwest. Uh, a deer in Can- – like a two-and-a-half-year-old deer in Kansas is easily the size of what I would consider a three- or four-year-old deer here. Based but, on but the they, two deer we took They seem to be bigger through the hind end, though. Their hind end is just thick. Yeah. I don't know why. I, I, I really don't. I mean, they have ample amounts of food source. I will say their winters are nowhere near. Based right. on what I experienced down there compared to even what we have right here, are nowhere near as bad. So maybe mm-hmm. that's why. But the does all seem like babies compared to these Yeah, deer. the does seem smaller. But the bucks were way bigger. It was kind of weird. So so that was a great ending to mine. We loaded it up in the truck, um, took some more pictures, and um, went back went back to the Airbnb and uh, with the first buck on the ground. And it was interesting because my brother only had the next day was his last day before they were leaving. Mm-hmm. They only had a morning hunt and an afternoon hunt before they had to head back early. I do have a question. Um, on that river bottom or creek or whatever, did you guys ever like use the thermals? Like this, did you see how the thermals? Oh were, yeah, wasn't that was it crazy? I wish I. W- I honestly thought about recording it a couple times. So my store bought milkweed was money. Uh, before we ended up finding real milk. Yeah, we actually. talked about it. We we found our wild milkweed for the first week. This was the highlight of our trip. Was the wild and I keep saying wild milkweed like we it's found all wild. this crazy thing. Like <laughs> yeah, it's so we found the the natural milkweed and we were that was, that was day one scouting we were so excited oh we saw so much sign we found milkweed <laughs> we're like all right this is kansas let's go we're gonna have a booner down in day one uh <laughs> we were we were like dude we're both gonna shoot bucks tomorrow and we're gonna go to nebraska for the rest of the trip <laughs> screw these guys we are done we're gonna get a deer in the first couple days we were like oh should we go to missouri or nebraska or to kentucky on the drive back where are we gonna go and then it's like day six we're like I think we jinxed ourselves. Yeah, so I would say advice is don't uh, plan a 13-day trip or whatever and then have a backup plan to go to another expression. I think the expression is don't count your chickens before they hatch. (laughs) Yeah. So, but uh, one thing, so the thermals in the river, during the day, checking thermals was almost impossible because middle of the day, it was windy every single day. Mornings. Mornings were mornings were the thermals were the coolest to see. Yeah, because what would happen is those as soon as the sun would come out, 
right? And things would start to warm up just a little bit. You would let that go and you would see it either, depending on where the wind was going, you would see it go out and literally just raise 15 feet up. And it wouldn't come back down till it was 80 yards away, right? So I'm watching this because they, the milkweed, they talk about for long range wind and thermals. So anything that was within 30, 40, 50, 60 yards, it wouldn't have caught our scent, which yeah. is kind of crazy, even if it was but downwind. Did you ever try it before the sun came up to see what it did? It just dropped to the ground. It went straight down. Yeah. I mean, immediately. Like I the, cold, the cold is still coming down. Yeah, it's just yeah. drawing it down. Like, I, that was why one thing, because this is my first time using milkweed, so I knew about thermals, but I will say in Michigan, it's nowhere near the effect that you're going to get in Kansas because one thing that happens in Kansas is these creek bottoms. So these creek bottoms, especially on warm days, so I know the day I moved my tree across the creek, you could feel it was a good 10, 15 degrees colder at the creek than it was just up on top that's, of the hill. That's the cool part, though, because if the wind is blowing into these dried-up river bottoms, you'll see the milkweed drop because it's cooler, and then as soon as it gets to the other side, you'll see it lift right back up. Sometimes, if there's water in that creek, if it's actually going down, it dies. Yeah, right. it just it dies, and it just, it just follows the current. Right. Because uh, that's where it's pulling everything. So if it, it was a dried up creek bottom, it'll pull down and then lift back up um, and, and kind of hug the ground through that. In the morning, if it's going into the field, you'll see it just lift up and go away. And if there's water, cold water running, it'll kill it and just keep it in the creek instead of going to the other side. It's the first time I've used them in that setting, but I'm so glad that I had them. Yeah, I was really happy. If nothing else, to keep me entertained for the first six days. <laughs> right. yeah. I mean, I was really glad. Um, I mean, I was going to use your milkweed because you had extra. Um, but once we found it, I was super excited. The only thing that sucked is taking those stupid seeds off. Mike, oh my goodness. <laughs> so this is a sidetrack story. but So we were so excited. Night one, we got the wild milkweed. and uh, just, Dude, just call it milkweed. No, I really like calling it wild milkweed. Wild. Yeah. Not Dunham's bought. No. Amazon. Amazon. Oh, Amazon. Yeah. I didn't even end up getting my Dunham's stuff. I kept forgetting because I was going to buy some at Dunham's too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Anyways, um, you were trying to get the milkweed out of the pod and into so a storage. We pod. had it out of the pod because we just grabbed it and started shoving it into our pockets. <laughs> <laughs> and there's not, most of it's all dried up and blown away. We found a couple that were still had some milkweed. In yeah. It. I'll tell you, Kansas is the place to find some wild milkweed because <laughs> later on, you're about to hear like, we went through a field of this stuff. It was There's still some in my truck in the door. Yeah, but if you ever harvest milkweed out of the wild, they have these seeds on them, <laughs> and you have to take the seeds off, okay? So I was in the process. I had it all on the table, taking it off. I don't even remember what you smashed down on the table. No, oh, I, no, he turns I, a fan. <laughs> <laughs> I turned the he's he's on the table and he's got a bowl and he's trying to pull them all apart. There's just milkweed pile up and it's sticking to your hands and it won't come off. And I turn a fan towards it and all of it just blows all over him. It's all over his face, all over his sweatshirt. It was great. I didn't think it was great at all. I was uh, so I had to like imagine SpongeBob trying to catch <laughs> jellyfish. That's what I'm trying to do with milkweed in our Airbnb oh, after he turns the fan onto it. So that shit was funny though. Everybody else thought it was funny. Everyone did think. I mean, I wouldn't say it. If it didn't happen to me, I would have thought it was hilarious for sure. But, yeah, so the milkweed was uh, that was kind of a neat little adventure on our trip. So It's way different than just in Michigan where you just go out and you just go, all right, wind's coming out of the northwest. We're right. good. 
hundred percent. Yeah. But I will tell you what, I used it here early bow season, like opening day. And even in the morning, you could still see it lift 10. Right. It it was still lifting 10, 15 feet up. Um, so that gets us to my kill and, and bucks and bucks down. And the next, so that night as we're driving back to the house, you knew that your best chance to get that buck was to do what? Oh yeah, because your buck is already I shot. Shot mine. I shot mine the same morning you killed yours. Yep. So I and you just, hung out at the base of your tree eating snacks to stay out of the wind. Didn't even get back in his tree stand. No. Sits on the sits on the ground. Well, because at that point I wasn't going to shoot another buck, right? Like, but didn't you? Uh, at this point, I, I, think, I guess if I had a doe tag, I still would fucking say fuck. He had that. a doe tag. I, I wouldn't do that. Tag. Still, I was like, what? I did have a doe. I know, but I wouldn't shoot a doe when I have a. I, I had to track a buck. Right. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, I wouldn't have shot a doe where I was at anyways, just because getting it out of there would have been an absolute nightmare. A buck was worth it. I a doe was not gonna be worth it. So we get back to the truck, and what do you do? So, I've decided after I've thought all day, my best chance at finding this deer, because at this point I I I truly believe the deer's dead, is to get a dog. Well. Like everything else in Kansas, the nearest dog is across the state. So it's an hour and a half trip. So I get this guy from Texas, and he calls me back. And He's it's, from Texas originally, but uh, lives in, he lives in Kansas now. I'm, I'm trying to do this fucking math. I'm like, fucking, I don't think Texas is an hour and a half away, but fuck. But he's got a plane? Yeah, so... He's bringing, so he's an outfitter out there, and he's bringing his buddy's dog, because apparently his buddy had to work, something like that. So, all right. And he's got me convinced on the phone, like, like not only are these dogs good, and I, I don't, I don't want to doubt the dogs, but not only are the dogs good, um, but, like, he's tracked deer before. So we bring him out, get him lost. This like he has no idea. He must have just moved here. I, we didn't really ask him. He he just moved here because uh, he didn't know really his way. Well, you gave him the wrong GPS coordinates. Okay, I was five minutes away, and he ended up taking another twenty minutes because he drove. He just kept. I said, "Hey, you need to stop where you're at. Um, I gotta send you a new GPS coordinates." I don't. I'll be honest. I don't know what the hell the guy was doing. Okay. Yeah. Anyways, we get him out to the property. We get him out there. I told him on the phone, you are going to have to cross a creek. It's about two to it's, three it's feet knee high. deep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have some logs laid over, but like, you know, you're going to, I would wear water boots. Dude shows up in Keens. If you're not sure what Keens are, they're a work boot that are about no, no, ankle no. high. No, these were like, uh, yeah, ankle high. It's a, it was a hiking shoe. Like a hiking shoe. It's so a yeah. working high hiking shoe with no laces. It just had like the, the stretchy huh? drawstring laces so we look at his feet we tell him at the road you know you're gonna have to cross this creek he gives us one dog this is the other thing that sucked he brought two dogs if we why he brought two dogs to this point i i still don't understand because the other dog didn't even do anything the good dog the friendly dog olive olive hung out with us like she wore me out yeah, she was super cool. She was super nice. She was supposed to be the younger of the two that was still kind of in training. And the older guy, Blue, the older dog, yeah. who they said, don't get near this dog. He will eat you alive. Yeah, um, They so were both Blue Lacies, which is a common tracking dog in Texas. Mm-hmm. So we get him to the creek, and he's like, oh, shit, I didn't realize this is what we had to cross. This dude goes, 
knee deep. <laughs> he tries to step on the logs that we put there. He tries to step falls on the logs right off. And the dog just pulls him right off of it. <laughs> <laughs> so he goes knee deep into the blue, blue jeans, socks, and these kids are just 35, soaked. It's like 40 degrees out. <laughs> so he's freezing. So <laughs> He's pissed at this point. I mean pissed. For the money I spent, I did not care. I was like, yeah, it's worth it. How much did you spend? Whether lost or found, you find it or you don't, $400. Yeah, it was was up front. That's what I've heard from other podcasts and all that. I've heard of dogs go up to $1,200. See, most people we talk to, because we talked to three or four people, they all said usually it's like 250 to show up, and then if they find it, they charge you another 100 or 150 yeah. bucks. So 400 didn't actually seem bad at that point. Right. Well, well and because I we thought the dog was, or the handler was Well, useful. yeah, you're, you're more, uh, I guess. Uh, I guess. It was 400 bucks no matter what. So we get the dog over there. I Cro- take, cross the creek, go up the steep bank, get to the other side. I get the dog to where I have blood marked. Well, because these aren't his dogs, he doesn't know how to talk to them. And the dog just wants to keep looking at the cars passing That by. are a thousand yards away. Yeah. Dog will not put his nose down. The other dog was... I wouldn't say... The, the other dog was a lack of us knowing what we were doing. But I didn't pay to track the dog. I paid a guy to come track the deer. And the other dog at times seemed like it was on it. Olive, yeah. But uh, the lead dog, who he kept making us want to be in front, had no intentions. You guys were in front of the dog? No, no, no. no, no. He he took Blue, the more experienced older dog, the mean one out front, and asked us to follow behind with Olive. Yes. And Olive at times seemed... Like she was on the dog, like because on the deer, Blue's walking head up, just like looking around, all lackadaisical, and Olive nose down to the ground, and you could tell she had some scent mm-hmm. or smelling blue. Well, maybe well, <laughs> either way. So we track for thirty minutes, and this deer, his dog, goes down by the creek, turns around, and comes back up to the field, and I went, "No, nope. there's no way." Because A, the deer's injured, it's going to want to stay by water, and B, the thickest cover for it was down by the creek. We wouldn't come back up to an open field. There's no reason for it to have just randomly come come back up to an open field. So he circles back around. No, we go back. Yeah, we go back. We go back to where the first blood was again. And the dog pisses around with the cars again. And then I step in a huge pile of dog shit. (laughs) And then, finally, that dog... Gets down, he gets on the scent, and once he gets out of the field, you could tell the dog was on it. Like he could, he, he, he was, was pulling this guy through some thick <laughs> stuff. <laughs> this, it was great. I almost felt bad because the stuff this dude was having to, he had to cross this creek. This dog was pulling him through, man. But then you remembered you paid him 400 bucks and you didn't care. Yeah, yeah, I didn't care. So then, this is, I guess, I, I am going to have to backtrack a little bit. So when the road we were on, was not like a normal road. It was almost like a two-track. One side of the road was private. The other side was Weeha. The guy stops at the road, makes me get out, and goes, is this Weeha? I said, you know, I'm explaining to him this side is, that side is private. This is a, a, a road. 
Now we're gonna get a ticket if that's if if that's Weha, we're gonna get a ticket. The, the road we were on, he was concerned was a private mm-hmm. drive and not an actual road. And I'm like, there's a street sign right there that's clearly the same as every other main road in Kansas. Like this yeah. is a road. It was an intersection. Just one yeah. road was like I would say more of a. Not one was very, a maintained road, and the other yeah. one just looked like a two track that wasn't highly right. traveled. So, back to where the dog finally gets on it. He goes up, goes down. He literally yells up to us, the dog wants to go across the creek. Well, that's because that's probably where the goddamn deer is at, so you should probably go. No, he doesn't do that. He comes back up. We're on the private public line. Tells us to stay there, crosses it with the dog. Now, we don't have permission. On the private. Yeah, we don't have permission to do this, but he's worried about getting a ticket back on Weeha. I was like, well, whatever. So we stayed on the public he goes, he walks around for 20... He, he follows 30, the creek through multiple yeah. oxbows, probably 500 yards, yep. maybe. He comes back 30 minutes later, and he's got... He says, I got some good news and bad news. So, I wasn't really sure what to think. I was like... Well, what did you think he was going to say? Because you thought the same thing I thought. Uh, I forget now. I want to say... I I thought he was going to say, I found your deer, but so did the coyotes. Yeah. And they ate it up. Yep. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, we did talk about that, yeah, which that. for me would have been okay because that's what we kind of expected. No, there was no good fucking news in this story. He says, uh, "You get to keep hunting." <laughs> that's the good news. Yeah, um, and the deer is still alive. How's that good? And the good yeah. news is he gets to keep hunting. Yeah. Yeah, news. I just had nine or eight, whatever, seven days of getting my ass whooped. I right. can't and then wait I spent you. Back. I spent four hundred bucks. But to he do... actually, the good news is, did the you deer is alive. Yeah, he says the deer is alive. Fuck no, I didn't tip him. <laughs> is that customary? Oh yeah. I feel it's, like if you were to find the deer, we would have considered that. But yeah, either way. Um, well, if you would have been like, "I'll give you a tip," he would be like, "All right, I found your deer, and now it's dead." So, anyways, so, he finds he, he, he finds jumps the deer. the deer. Actually, he jumps oh. the deer on the other side of the river, like the dog yeah, spooked like it. where the dog had told him to. It was going to be, and uh, he says it. You hit it. In the back hip, I thought I was up farther than than the back hip, yeah. like hind quarter, yeah. all all muscle, all soft. So it made me feel less shitty because I didn't think it was a lethal shot. The deer was gonna live. I didn't think that it it's gonna die if it gets infection. Maybe what sucked was the terrain would have made it very simple. I think with the wind in our favor to sneak up on it again. If that deer would have been on public in the same way. And it bedded down. There was I think a lot of CRP. We definitely could have got it, got on that deer. Yes, but we couldn't get a hold of any landowners. We called we the didn't DNR, want to trespass. and we, we yeah we did not. Want Wait, to that game there. warden never called you back. Game warden never. The guy at the bar called him. Never got a hold of us. So game warden probably wasn't a huge fan of out of towners because he never got back a hold of me. So. Well, he's probably dealing knew, with a lot of other. We shit, knew we never though. crossed the road, and we knew we bedded down in there, but we didn't want to trespass on these people's property. Right, which would have been easy to get away with. There's no houses within no. five miles. Yeah, right. Um, but ultimately, it was, I guess, the uh, ethics, ethically right thing to do. Like, I wouldn't. I, I struggle didn't... with that a little bit because morally, I would have liked to have put a shot on that deer, or liked you to to take it. To make sure it was a clean kill, and it would you know it wasn't going to die from an infection or something later. Right. But then also, there's the legal aspect. Of, so so morally and ethically, I feel like we should have harvested the animal, but legally, 
based on the law, we don't want to trespass and break the law and, and go on someone else's property. So it would have been of a huge, like if we would have got caught dilemma. over there hunting, it wouldn't have ended well. I no. guarantee that. Yeah, all your shit. Especially re-bowed. because the deer didn't bleed. Like we didn't have any blood over yeah. there. Yeah. So like we knew it was my deer. Like he could see where it was hit. Yeah. But there was no like because I hit just muscle, there wasn't a ton of blood. So but we knew it wasn't vital. It was gonna yeah. live un- unless it happened to get an infection. So we said, okay, like so we pulled all of my stuff from that spot that night, moved to the spot we hunted day one, yep, and set up only like a hundred yards off the road. But there was sign. Everywhere. Why didn't we pull my stuff that day? I think we. So we let we, we had to walk by my because stuff. of Matt. We pulled your stuff, and then you know I left it there because I was I left my set because I said well maybe you might want to hunt there so I'll just leave it set or my brother might want to hunt there. But at that point, we had we had, had dogs through there, and, and mm-hmm. we had blown it all up. So we went and then set up your stand at the the property you sat the very first day. Yep. And then that morning, you took your deer to the processor and Which, got your two <laughs> got. By the way, I called about eight different places, and there are a bunch of places that say they do deer processing. Like, no, we're not doing it this year. The closest deer processor was two hours away one way from where we were hunting now i will say these guys were professionals they were legit they did a great job their customer service was impeccable meat mead processing in kansas those guys are awesome yeah i was worth the drive for sure because we did it a couple of times mike takes his deer drops it off i hunt picks your you pick your tree stand up and then you picked me up about 11 o'clock for yep. breakfast. I didn't see shit that morning. We go out to eat, um, talk about your deer. I don't even remember where we went and ate. Where did we go eat that day? I don't remember. Now, I probably could have remembered yeah, a couple remember. hours before. Anyways, not relevant. Yeah. Um, but... The night before, we had driven past this piece of Weeha that we didn't really see before, and there were some hunters on there, and it looked really, really good. We were going there because, yeah, so the night before, we were going to go there and put our stands up there, and there were people that were like, oh, crap, all right, where are we going to go? So that's when we took it back to the first place you hunted. So we get done eating, and Mike goes, you want to go check that spot out? That we seen yesterday, and because uh, it's like one o'clock, we know we got another yeah, hour yeah. and a half till we got to be back in the woods, probably for an evening hunt. Yep. So we get up to it. Left side of the road is private, winter, great habitat, winter wheat field, tons of woods to a creek bottom, everything. Other side of the road is dissed up planted field. With a small with no section. growth. Yeah, it's no growth. Nothing's germinating. Nothing's happening. And then a decent amount of woods and bedding. So that, that part's good. We get up there and we look over into the field. Big buck. Big buck is just standing there 80, 100 yards off the road. We are scrambling. To Trying to find our binos or the spotting scope yep. or something. So, so we stop. Yeah, we stop just in the middle. of the, This is another one of them unkept roads. Yeah. Um. I pull the binos up on him, and I can see his frame, and I'm like, damn, like that's a big deer. Show Mike. So we're kind of, we're not even really in a hunting mindset. We're like, we're no. cool. Like this is a, you know, we get to see this big buck. We see him run off, and we're like, hey, there's no one out here. Let's go pull your stand, and let's bring it here, and we're going to hunt here tonight. Yeah, this deer's going to come back. So us. we go this up. This is what we thought. That, we that, go up, and we start to turn around. 
And then old boy comes strolling down the road with his quad and his big old Yeah, this truck. dude that has permission to hunt literally everything around goes, yeah, I'm going to go hang my stand in the back corner of this Weeha. We were like... Okay. Okay, but in the back of my head, I'm thinking, dude, you have permission to hunt like a thousand acres. Why are you, it's better habitat yeah. than the Weeha, but he's going over there. Right. Um, but we he didn't, didn't know. We did not tell him we saw this monster. Yeah. But I don't... I, to this point... I've thought about this since this. I still have no idea because I remember telling you to take a left up here. So we got up to the end of the, ro- the where the road came back to the main because we, we turned around. We saw the deer run off and we saw him kind of slow down. But there wasn't – it was a line of private in Weeha and there must have been a small patch of woods. I mean it, it was maybe – A hundred yards long. And- not even. Not even. 30 yards wide. There might have been 50 little trees in this area. Like, not a habitat where you could ever put a tree stand. No no resources around it. What didn't look like great bedding. Not an area that you typically would think whitetails. Like, if we drove by there and looked at it on a map, we'd be like, yeah, we're not going to go over there. We wouldn't even consider it, right? But these deer we see kind of go over that way. We get up to the road and you say, hey, turn left. Let's just go up to the next road and get our binos out and see if we can still see it running or see if it, like, because it's so it open, like you would have had to have seen. If it made it through that section, of we woods, would have seen it. You had, you would have seen it. So these are and these are one mile blocks. Right. So we get to the edge, we drive a mile down, turn, and then drive about half a mile back in, and, and, we and, go, and you say, Weeha. "That's still Weeha," and it's all CRP, like need, <laughs> yeah. need a waist high CRP, and again, CRP native grasses, all that, all that kind of stuff that's there. That was when things changed for us. So I think I looked at you and I was like. I think we get up there and see if we can see this deer. Yeah, like let's go in and with our binos and see if we can see it. Yeah, and uh, because I was like, there's no way that deer made it out. We had talked about stalking a deer. Yeah, we had we'd been like, that'd be so awesome if we could put a stalk on a deer. If we see a doe bedded, a buck that bedded down with a doe, like that's the time to do it. And we never really thought we'd have a chance to do this. Yeah, so we're like, you know, he, he was with a doe. So I, I was like, yeah, that deer was slowing down. I, like, this is our chance. Either the deer's there, or and there's not. a couple of big hills between us, so we yeah. couldn't just. We had to get a ways in to even bino down to this little valley. So we get out, get all of our, and I say gear on. I had blue jeans. I put my sicka jacket on and my Under Armour hat. You threw. I think on. I was wearing these jeans, this hat, and my sicka jacket. Didn't you have like the Walmart camo pants jeans on? You had jeans. You had camo jeans. I'm, you on. know what? I might have put those over this. I yeah. might have still had them on. Yeah. And so, um, he hands me his crossbow, which is something we did discuss beforehand. So I'm traditionally a compound hunter, but if you're gonna give me the option to use a crossbow or a compound in this stalking situation. I'm happy I had to cross. I don't think we ever thought we were actually going to get on a deer. At no point. So from even at this point like we're a little excited like oh cool like this is a little adventure but I never thought we were going to get anywhere close to this deer. So we walk and I say we walk. We walked at a very fast clip. Yeah. Like we covered what ended up being about 800 about yards. About 800 yards. And we get to about 170 yards and I bino those woods where I see the deer slowing down and just catch him laying down just catch his antlers laying down and me and mike looked at each other like oh shit i never saw him at that point i never got my binos on him but i did yeah and we immediately it was like uh 
we've got a chance now. Wind was in our favor, and yep. it was really windy, so we could get away with some there noise. There was a lot, a lot of noise from all the grass blowing around. And we, I think, stood there for 10 minutes because I had to collect myself. Once I seen the deer, I was ramped Like, like we, we thought he skirted out somewhere. We're like, okay, this is like, there's no shot in hell we're going to see this deer. Um, Yeah, I was like ramped up. So Mike's like, calm down, calm down. Like, what do you want to do? There was a little... The problem was is we never saw the doe. So we didn't know where the doe was yeah. bedded at if the doe is going to bust us right. to get to the buck, right? Mm-hmm. So was it just one doe? Was he one just, doe? Was he, he was, locked he was down? Locked down with her. Yeah. Yep. yep. Um, and again, they, they we, when we saw them, they were out in this dissed up field that they had like no ag, no cover, no nothing. They had there was no, no reason, reason to be there. For that deer to be there. None other than when you originally, originally seen him. Right. Yes. Okay. I mean, other than so this this, this patch of woods on one side is dissed up field it, with nothing. I will. The, the other you. side is all CRP. Like. So for thousand people, acres of CR. People at home aren't going to get to see this, but I am going to show you because it's it's one of the crazier things I've ever seen. First off, I got to figure out how to use. Do you this. think he would he got bumped from somewhere else or no? He what we what we found dog the doe out of there. What, what we found is all that CRP was there, and then there was a deep cut where there was no trees or nothing, where it looked like it was cooler, and they were bedded down, and they just happened to get up to graze a little bit, and we pulled up with the truck. And yeah. we, we bumped them essentially with the truck, and then they bumped back to that little wooded area. So this is what we're talking about. This is where that deer was at. Doesn't make any sense. Damn. So we get to 172 yards. I got my rangefinder. We both got our binos. You're holding the crossbow. And um, at that point, we said, okay, what do we got to do to get there? We got to get low. There's a couple small shrubs here or there. What are we going to do? And I, I said... I think we can keep walking further. And he said, no, I think we need to crawl from here. <laughs> we did. I think we like slow, like Neil crawl, like 20 or 30 yards. There's like yep. a little tree. And then I just kind of got too nervous. I was like. So the next part of the story, it f didn't feel this long, but the rest of the story takes about two hours of crawling the last 150 yards. We crawl only when the wind is moving. Which, so there was a couple things that happened. So one thing that uh, happened that I didn't expect was it was 45 degrees, 20 mile an hour winds, and I was crawling, and I got so hot. With the crossbow, like trying yep. to move the crossbow in like one limited time, very, very slow. So like we literally only moved when the wind blew, and... um. Which was hard because I was so paranoid that the deer was going to hear me. Which, like now, in hindsight, there was no way. No way because the there was times was Mike was trying to talk to me and he was five yards behind me and I could never hear him. And you but couldn't it, hear me crawling five yards behind. No, but I was still so paranoid that I, uh, I mean, I was barely moving, and uh, so we finally, after a couple minutes though, I had to stop. And I had to take my wedding ring off again because I'm paranoid because I keep hearing it click on the crossbow. Crossbow. So I take it off. Every, it every few minutes, I'm pulling up and ranging. All right, Mangus, we're still at 150. We're at 140. We're at 130. And I was just going at one of the trees that we thought he was going to be in. So, so you're straight army crawling, or are you just like? Yeah, hands hands and knees, not necessarily like on on. Our yeah, belly. I would say the grass was at the worst part, knee high. 
but most of it was about there was a lot of cover between us yeah i was never know if he was in those woods or if he was in the crp somewhere between us we thought he was on the edge of the woods in the crp right but we didn't know where the doe was had no idea the doe was the one thing that was super nerve-wracking the whole time which she ended up not even being a factor nope um so we crawl and we crawl and we crawl i take my hat off because i'm sweating well, then we get up there, and we're within 50 yards of where we think the deer might be. And all of a sudden, we went from not having a deer trail or anything to, like, this, like, everything is matted down. Like, I can move through this so much quieter than everything else. And I get up into it, and this is probably the first time I've looked back at Mike in 30 minutes, and I look back. Because the whole time, I'm trying to find the deer when we get up there. He's, like, barely creeping over looking. And I – so what Minkus didn't realize is I, I stayed back a little bit, and I started taking pictures of him crawling through the grass and videos, which I think you had a chance to see some of those maybe. Uh, and you guys will probably release them on the Facebook page. And I was kind of standing up, crouching just over, and I'm binding, and I'm trying to get his attention. I'm, I'm snapping at him. I'm like, hey, Minkus, Minkus. He, he looks back at me. me. And it, which is funny because I was getting texts the entire time, which so I didn't even think like, oh, Mike is texting me. So I didn't even think to check my phone. Right. But uh, you were getting worried. You were ready to blow it and stand up and be like, I don't know where this deer is. Yep. So if I would have been alone, I would have ruined this hunt at 50 yards because I would have stood up because I couldn't see the deer. So I thought he skirted out. So you out. were at 50 and I was another 20 yards back probably yeah. trying to get eyes on it and he i turn around and he goes i see the deer and i literally about flipped out you should his his <laughs> face just went white eyes lit up he's like oh shit this is for real we're about to do this yeah it was uh it was different so then you keep i, I keep eyes on him yeah the whole mike time. doesn't move from his spot at this point. so how far are you from the deer you at this point i'm probably well, realizing well, now we were probably 70 yards. What we, we thought was going to be 40 or 50, but yeah. he was further in than we thought. But so now I'm actually at better. And he's way in the woods. Like you could, we couldn't have got a shot at him where he was. He was way in there laying down. And all I could see were some antlers moving around back and forth. Um, and how far is a comfortable shot with your crossbow? 40 yards. I would have taken yeah. a broadside 40 yard shot yeah. if I would have gotten it. They say these crossbows can yeah. shoot seventy or eighty, but I, I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't shoot anything past the fifty that I shot at the one. But in that scenario, stalking like that, forty was what we talked about being the max. Yeah. But early on, we were getting a little bit antsy, and I said, "Matt, make us. It is two o'clock. We have like three or four hours. Yeah, we, we have- can take as long as we need to to get this buck. We can move a foot." every 10 minutes and we can we can cover this ground Which pretty much was what we ended up doing right um but so then he sees the deer and now i'm in what i think is better stalking area the, everything is matted down for me i can move through it a lot easier the only thing <laughs> that is in between me and this deer that ruins my whole time is the goddamn milkweed pods so I'm not the sure. stems on that are super thick, really loud, and they snap like dead branches. And then the pods themselves have little hooks on them that attach themselves to you. So you, you'll catch one and not realize it and then pull it and snap it. So what I was doing was like pulling them from the bottom and then trying to just move them behind me. But a couple times he's moving them like over his head. Mm-hmm. 
And I'm still back here looking. So at this point, he's disappeared down this little deer trail. And I still got the binos on this buck, and he stands up. And he starts skirting out to the, the edge of the field. And I'm trying to get Mancus's attention. I'm like, dude, he's up. He's up. He didn't look back at me once. And I'm like, I don't think he sees him. I don't even see Matt anymore. What's going on? Where is he at? And you're still crawling. Yeah. So I get up to the edge of the field. I'm like within from, I don't know, this table's what, three feet? I'm within this table length away from the edge of the field. Thankfully, there's still tall grass. There's a screen in front of him. Yeah. And I set the crossbow forward and look up, and he's 40 yards away, broadside, looking right at me. And I almost shit my pants. Well, you thought he seen me and spotted me because you knew I was standing up. And yeah. then you looked back, and I was under so much and, cover, he couldn't see. Yep. So when I looked back, I didn't see Mike, but I'm just stuck in this awkward position for what seemed like an eternity. I don't really know how long it was, but it seemed like forever. And the deer was just, like, looking at me. Well, then he decides to look back and, like, scratch his back. And as soon as he does, I just move up, click the safety off, and now I'm in a sitting position where I'm good to go. Then he's the deer... Br- he's brushing his antlers yeah, all the over the trees. and definitely sees me. He definitely... There's no doubt well, in my mind. He sees something. He knew that we were there. He didn't know what we were. And he did not deem us as a threat to life. I think he deemed us as a th- He thought we were another buck. The way he acted, he was thrashing his antlers, like, in the trees... And he was coming, like, right at, at us. At one point, we thought he was really alert. And we were like, oh, shit, we blew it. Mm-hmm. And then you get that little, like, nice little tail swish. We're like, okay, he's actually, like, he's still okay, right? He's in his his body language changed a little bit. If he's just, like, wondering what's going on. Yep. And I didn't know that you had eyes on him yet. And I seen him walking towards through the binos. And I'm like, he's going to bust us. Matt doesn't see him. He's not ready because I didn't know where he was. Yeah, I was uh, thankfully ready. And he gets, and he just keeps walking closer and closer. And like, I'm, I can see everything, right? Like I can see when that deer looked at me and I got to look at his rack, it was just as big at 30 yards as it was when we first see him in the field. And now I'm trying to just keep it together. And he keeps coming closer and closer and he gets to 20 yards and it ended up being closer than that the next day. He was maybe 15 yards. Yeah. And I decided head on face this you. deer is not going to turn broadside. My only shot is going to be to shoot it face on. If I was straight in, white trail white tail adrenaline, yeah, brown hunt like left. So go. I'll tell you, if I was in a tree stand, I had no way I would have taken this shot. On the ground, I A had watched enough white tail adrenaline movies and B knew I was gonna hit enough. If, if as long as I hit my shot. I was going to hit enough. And he was close enough that I knew I was going to hit my shot. And, and his chest is thick enough that there's plenty of things <laughs> yeah. to hit right there. Yeah. So he's just, he kind of stops and I just kind of lean up a little bit so I can shoot, put the crosshair on him and release it. I thought I stood up immediately, but apparently I did not. Um, apparently it was like a good couple seconds before I stood up. So but. I heard the crossbow go off and I seen the deer take off, but I couldn't tell. Cause I didn't know he was ready to shoot. I didn't hear the arrow hit the deer cause all or the bolt hit the deer. I thought it was just going off and I was like, did you hit him? He goes, Oh yeah, I smoked him. <laughs> yeah. So then the deer had ran, jumped back onto private and then come back around and jump back onto Weeha. And all I hear Mike is cause I'm looking back at Mike at this moment. All I hear Mike is go, 
oh yeah, you hit him. And I look back, the whole front of the deer is is red. Gushing. And then he like stops for a second and he like breathes. And it's like someone took a bucket and just was pouring blood out of this deer. Now, if we, there was- We were like, this deer's going down. He's going down right there. I will say- He's stumbling. Yeah, if there was a learning moment here, don't ever expect- don't ever, yeah, not expect to do the unexpected. So we did not expect to crawl and get within 20 yards and get a deer. No. So Mike says, when we're at the truck, you want me to grab another bolt? And I said, nah, we're not going to need it. I was wrong. So the well, deer we didn't end up needing right, it. Right, but. but the deer is 100 yards away, pouring blood out, and has no idea what just happened. Like Walking he, dead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's like looking for the doe because the doe runs out in front of him and he's like more focused on her. Yeah, he's trying to like follow her at first. And at this point, if you've ever seen an old man with Parkinson's walk through a store and his feet barely lift up and he's just kind of like shuffling a little bit, that's what this deer was doing. Its steps couldn't be more than a couple inches and it was like shuffling, dragging its feet, literally walking dead. Mike is just saying, go down go down and I'm just standing there in disbelief like how how is this not deer not going down so then he's just walking and walking so we were like let's just he's stay. gonna fall we're yeah. like we're not gonna wait for him we just kind of like moseyed around the hill just to keep eyes on him and um he goes over a hill we get up there and we're like where the fuck did he go yeah he's gone we're, we're standing there like there's no way that deer made it down there and then I happen to look over and watch him bed down and that moment, we're not seventy yards away. We kind of we thought we head. thought he was done. We thought he was down. And we, we go to walk up, we see him lift his head up again. We're like, but the moment, what the heck, the moment we watch that deer lay down, we go nuts. I think I jumped up. I gave ran over, gave you a hug. We're high five and like we're in absolute disbelief. Yeah, unbelievable that this just happened. But this deer is still sitting there, and we're like, he's going to die. We don't have another bolt. I said, dude, I got to go back and get stuff anyway. You stay here. So I went 1,000 yards, right? And for those that are wondering, that's about 0.6 of a mile. Uh, <laughs> I went uh, I went back to the truck through all the CRP and then brought the truck around to where we saw him the first time because that was only a couple hundred yards away and grabbed a knife, a drag strap. Um, yep. your tennis shoes because you didn't want to wear your boots for some reason. It's because I didn't and, have my good socks on. And another bolt. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so are that was are the, these the Walmart shoes? Yes. Yeah, the ones yeah, they I are. Yeah, I yeah. know, the ones you bought at TAC. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I, so he, he didn't, he didn't was He didn't want to wear his... Um, so Okay, so I have... I have Muck boots. So normally when I have my muck boots on, I have like knee-high, calf-high, like insulated socks. Yeah. And it helps prevent blisters when I'm walking around. Well, I didn't put these on. I just had normal, like, white stained-up Nikes. And by the time we got done crawling through the grass, chasing the deer, or not following the deer, the deer walked, like, 500 yards from where we shot it. uh, Unbelievable. Yeah. Impressive animals. Yes. And my, I was, I had a blister going, all right? I didn't have... What's the tape we talked about on episode? Luco tape. Luco. I brought yeah. some with me, by the way, because I use that. We use that in our therapy clinics all the time. And so I was like, "You need to get my shoes because I'm not dragging this deer <laughs> out with uh, with these boots on." So he he does all that. By the time I get back with the backpack and the bolt and his Walmart yeah. tennis shoes, the deer's the deer's done. 
Yep. But I still hadn't walked. Like, I'd walked up to close enough to get a picture, which is that side view picture I I'd sent you on Snapchat. Had not lifted the deer up. So when Mike comes back, we... Uh, you don't realize the mass until you put your hands around this deer. We didn't. The deer, I will promise you, did not get any smaller when we walked up to it. And, uh, it didn't get any smaller when I brought it up here uh, about <laughs> a couple hours ago for you to see it. No. So I remember we I pulled it out of the grass and just looked up at you like, oh, wow. Complete, you were in complete disbelief. You were yes. like, there's no way that just happened. Yep. No way. Like even retelling the story. So like, I'm And not at this sh- point, he still doesn't know that I've been taking pictures the whole time of him yeah. crawling through the grass. Yeah. And I mean, I'm sure anybody that's listening, I'm sure Joe, I'm not sure... You could clearly tell that this was a moment of that I guess I kind of have dreamt about. Like, I think I've told you we've discussed parts of this story since I shot the deer, and I'll probably continue to tell it. Um, the whole thing for me was a little bit of uh, disbelief. You may shoot, you may shoot bigger deer in your lifetime, but that experience of going 800 yards, spotting it, bumping it with a car, 800 yards, and then crawling over 150 yards on your hands and knees. Yeah, I don't... And I'll, having this deer get up and walk straight at you. I, yeah, I don't know that I'll ever beat that. That story is amazing. It's really a story I'm hoping helps convince Joe. Joe's over here thinking, hands. yeah, but you should have had your compound. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how, uh, many to- how many times have you thought, well, it was a cross gun? It's a seven. <laughs> <laughs> Which somebody actually said to you on one of the Kansas pages, oh, were you using a cross gun? Yeah, yeah. I'll be 100% honest. So I'm not I'm not opposed to crossbows, obviously. I would not say I'm a crossbow hunter. I love my Matthews. Um, I am still and 100% convinced without the crossbow, I don't get the deer. It was the best weapon to use in the situation we were in. Fact. It gave me the best, best chance to harvest this deer, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, but, yeah, I remember – so when you were gone, I, obviously you don't know this. So when you were gone, I don't know that the deer's dead, but we I know it's, it's, the deer it's is done. not getting up. Yeah. So I'm in full celebration mode. I'm calling this is, people. This is a shot that technically we probably should have been like, let's give it 30 minutes. We'll walk up on it. It'll be done. But it was walking dead, so we assumed it was going to yeah. be done right there. And so I'm, like, just leaving it alone, but, like, I'm calling Lindsay, like, I'm calling... By the time I got there, you'd called Lindsay, you'd called Brady, you'd called Tyler, you'd called Joe. I called Matt Wager. Uh, I called a bunch of people. I was It took me a up. long time to get back to the truck. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, it was a uh, thousand yards. I mean, I was, I was jacked up. And uh, at this point, I didn't even know how big the deer was. I I, was, I don't even remember what I was telling Which people. we did just score before the podcast today, so we'll have an update on that. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I don't. There's really not words to describe the whole. whole you're still situation. you're still struggling to find words, so I'll fill mm-hmm. a few words in. Yeah. So it's um it's still on Weeha, but it's on the other side of a cattle fence on Weeha. So we pulled it out and. Um, and we, we started taking some pictures with it. And we're like, oh, man, this deer is massive. Yeah. Uh, and we, we took a few pictures. You um, you field dressed it. And then we were like, okay, I guess here we go. Let's start dragging this thing out. And, again, deer cart would have been money in that moment. Yeah, because we had to drag it. It was probably 350, 400 yards. Yes, but it's a 
I'll bet you the deer dressed out damn near 200. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was huge. Um, so we're dragging this thing. Minkus has got his little blisters on with his tennis shoes. They went away uh, with the tennis shoes. And he was wearing his, like, wasn't he wearing full camo? He's in blue jeans. Right? Yeah. He's in blue jeans and a, he's in $20 Walmart blue jeans and a $500 Sika jacket at Walmart <laughs> tennis shoes, yeah. uh, which is kind of funny to think about. So we're, um, we're, we're, we're dragging this thing out and the sun is setting. Right. And I don't know if you've seen this picture. He goes, hey, let's stop. Uh, I want to take some pictures with this. So we set it up on the side of the hill. And um, I'm like, are you serious? We had to turn the deer around. And we took some pictures with the sun setting behind it in Kansas. And I will tell you, that's one of the coolest pictures uh, that I've seen. When I sent that to your wife, she was like, why did you guys stop and do that? I was like, I don't know. She's like, well, it's awesome. I'm glad you did. Yeah, Uh, I'm glad we did, too. It turned out. Your pictures are way better than mine. Not just because your deer is way bigger. Uh, but just, we, we, I think we took more time to do it. Yeah. Well, the other thing was I shot my deer at three 30 in the afternoon. Yeah. You, had, you, you shot day, your right? deer at five 30. We had, we had a short amount of time to go get pictures of your deer. Yep. We had all the time in the world to get pictures of my deer. Plus you took all the pictures of me stalking it. Right. So anyways, we get it back to the truck. We load up, we say, all right. This is Wednesday night. We have to leave on Friday. And they said it takes two days of processing. So we load it up. I call Tyler over at Mead Processing. And he goes, hey, we close at 6, but we're going to be here in a staff meeting. So um, go ahead and drop it off. Give me a call. We'll be here. So we, we get in the car. We drive. We get down there by what? 7.30, 7.45? No, we did get down there until 8.30. You're right. It was 8.30. It was mm-hmm. 8.30. Uh, again, two hours away, and we're like still in disbelief in this car, like not knowing what to say or, or what to do. We get down there, and um, we were great. They, they were great. We walk in, and they have a staff meeting. Uh, They're drinking Bud Light, yeah, Coors Light. In, like. in their staff meeting. It was awesome. And we said, you know what? We we wish, like, I dropped my deer off that, that morning, and I said, it would have been cool if we took pictures together. He goes, well, I can pull your cape out. So he pulled the cape out. I dumped the deer off of this little, my deer off of this like cart, cart they had to help him fell. drag it in there. Oh man, I felt so like he, they, they pulled the stuff out of the freezer. They let us take pictures together. He took pictures for us. Yeah, um, they were great. Really, really cool place. And um, and then we drove back to the house. And in still massive disbelief. This is the day. This is like the next day after my brother and his and our other yeah, friend. Yeah, we texted they them just pictures of the deer oh. and they were like, "Wow." Like that's really I guess just how fast things change. We went from nothing, 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 like wow, we wasted $550 to come to Kansas to see nothing. So at this point, that's Wednesday, right? We don't have to check out till Friday. The deer's not going to be ready till Friday. We're like, "Well, what are we going to do tomorrow?" We're yeah. Like, "Well, First of all, we're going to sleep in. That's the first thing, right? Because we've been getting up at 4 o'clock to go to drive, to drive an, an hour, hour everywhere we're sitting. But your stand was still up at the other property. Yeah. So we said, all right, why don't we do this? Let's go, and we will. Um, we want to go back out and look for the arrow because we couldn't find the arrow. Uh, we um, didn't look that hard. That no, night. we didn't really look so, that hard. Real quick, real quick. Uh, so where did you hit Where did you hit the deer, and then where was the exit one? So funny story. The- you just told me the story. Well, but so the uh, entrance was right here. Sternum. It, yeah, yeah, right in the sternum. Off, off. Uh, what is it? Would have been the right side. So yeah. right side, just off sternum, um, through the just above, essentially the uh, what us and the 
medical world would call them a nubrium or the part of your like. I'm your just going to make it a hundred percent clear. There is a slim chance that the people <laughs> listening to this podcast zero. have any idea zero zero percent. Whatever. What did you call it? Manubrium. No, what a manubrium is. Anyways, <laughs> center center mass just yes. off to the side, but didn't hit the heart or either lung. No. So it did. One thing it that happened is it did something I didn't expect. I expected fully that bolt to go in, clip an artery, clip a heart. Clip we thought the lung, we were going to be cleaning out some guts for sure. Because it was straight head on. What it ended up doing was. It, it almost hit and deflected back, and then... Um, you don't think it hit that sternum, do you? No, no, no. It didn't deflect through the sternum. It went through, and I think it caught the inside of the scapula of the shoulder. Yeah. I think he might have been quartering a little bit, and it caught that scapula, and it essentially caught the um, the front artery coming right off the heart, and that's what all the gut was blood was gushing from. Yeah. Because so- it was spraying. Again, lesson learned. Like, there's probably going to be people listening to this or screaming at me for taking that shot. No, I shot a deer. I shot a doe like that, and it went through. It was a little bit to the right. It was probably like four inches from the sternum. It came out her fucking ass cheek. The reality is, there's no way. If, if you hit it center mass, there's no way that deer does not die. No, because you're either hitting. There's not dead space in there. People talk about dead space. There's not dead space. The lungs are inflated. So you're either going to hit a heart. A lung, you're gonna there's, hit the heart and the lung and guts, or you're gonna hit a major artery. There's no way that you're if die. you're eye level with it. I so would that's say, what I'm saying. Eye yeah. level is the key here. You you're, can't if you're in a tree stand. Oh hell no! I would not ever in a million years take this because there's you're gonna you could miss and hit him in the head and wound him. Ground level, I felt totally confident taking that. Shot. I, I will tell you after that experience, and I was more excited for his deer than I was for mine, and I wasn't even the one flinging the arrows. I can I see why whitetail adrenaline in the in the hunting public guys do so much ground hunting because oh. the amount of a literally when you're in a tree stand I had 20 seconds of adrenaline we had two and a half hours you couldn't pee if somebody tried paying you right no we had two and a half hours of adrenaline and it is a different level when that creature is on the ground walking at you at eye level um Gosh, if, if I was better at it, which I guess we were pretty, we're one for one. One for one. Yeah. Uh, that might be the only way I would hunt. I think. Fat in a thousand. I think. I think now, if we're out of state hunting, and it's a, when the, if we have property and the wind isn't in our favor, instead of sitting somewhere with bad wind, I'm we will just, just try yeah. to spot and stalk. Yeah, it was. We should go antelope hunting. I still hear out. Okay, that's that's for a different time. Minkus tried antelope. He doesn't like it, so yeah. now he doesn't want to go hunting. Well, like the meat? Yeah. That's what? what said. But it's like people say that about venison, and if you don't prepare it right. right. Anyways, back back to the story. So, so the next morning, we said, you know what? Let's go back out there. We got time. Let's just go back to the... We're yeah, going we to, quote, days. look for the arrow. For those that don't see me, I'm air quotes. We're going to look for the arrow. Um, and we go out there, and there is just blood everywhere through this yeah. dust field. It was insane. I, I to this day I I still don't know how the deer walked as far as it did because the blood like I took a video it's a it's a dissed up planted field and the blood was still dirt. wet yeah sixteen hours later that's how much blood was coming out pile up it was still wet um so we what do we do to celebrate so this one is gonna get some people but I do want to clarify this is where we did this was not. 
Nobody's hunting. Nobody's this hunting here. We're, we are half a mile. Yeah, we are w- a ways away from anybody. I'm not even sure if this is legal, by the way. Um, I'm not. Who's gonna? What are they gonna do? Write us a ticket? Why um, would it be illegal? I'm not sure. It, 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 there's no way it's illegal. I don't know. Because uh, I know a lot of people that <clears throat> smoke cigarettes. Yeah, we did not smoke cigarettes. So I am. Well, uh, I I am a cigar guy. Cigar. I um I have a humidor at the house. I um I enjoy a good cigar. So I brought some cigars with me to say, look, if I get my biggest buck and I'm going to put this on a wall, I'm going to smoke a cigar. So I bought a few um, nice cigars, premium cigars, like, you know, $15 cigars each. Uh, I brought a lot of them, actually, which we didn't need that many. So we took some cigars out and we actually sat down where that buck was bedded and we smoked a cigar for like half an hour, 40 minutes. And it was super cool. Like... Some people might not think it's that cool, but I'm not a big cigar guy, but it was really cool to sit there. Your first cigar was actually at my mom's wedding like a month before. It's the first time yeah. you smoked a full cigar. Yeah. Um, it was cool for me uh, to sit there. Like was, We kind of relived a lot of the story. We, we walked did. around like the deer was right here. So we got to relive it. But we got to relive it, it without- It was like nostalgic. Yeah. We got to do it without affecting other people because of where the deer was at. Where everything was at, like there was no way we. And this neg- is middle of the day. Like, yeah. this was after ten o'clock. There's, there's no way we negatively affected. Like the guy that hung his tree stand was a mile from where we were, yeah. pissing around at. Um, and it was almost like in honor of of the animal, right? Yeah, I mean, it was like the a- story, the everything. It was. I don't regret it at all. In fact, I'm still super happy that we did it. To to go back there, we didn't find the arrow, by the way. Yeah, so now did. I'm out. Now I'm out two bolts and both of my rage. But that mechanicals. bolt is the exact same bolt he shot his deer with. Mm. Yeah, same one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was cool to go back and. So there was no exit wound. Yeah. Really. Uh, when he jumped the fence and then came back around, we think it. Because when I seen when I seen we think it fell out the front somewhere and we just couldn't find it. When I seen him after I shot, I seen the fletchings into the deer, but after that, I was useless. Yeah. Um. So that's uh that's the story. We we pick up the deer, a lot of meats. Um. I had a couple coolers. We had a big tote, and these guys bring out just massive amounts of meat far more meat than we saw oh for sure and uh we're we're at this meat processing place and uh we're picking up our stuff and they bring out our racks we're both jacked and dude walks in with 184 inch just stud and proceeds to tell us that it was his number three deer and then shows us pictures of the 190s and 200s that are on his property yeah yeah he was I just want to make clear was hunting private, private property, yeah. but the same habitat we were in. It was like yeah. CRP because he showed us a video. A buddy of his had shot a hundred and this shot. It wasn't his going. biggest deer, by the way. Yeah, his biggest deer was a hundred and ninety-seven inches. I yeah. think um, his buddy shot a deer <sighs> at seventy yards front facing. I wouldn't have taken that no. shot. Um, one hundred and fifty with a above. raven. He's a he's uh, yeah, oh, he's yeah. all about his raven. Yeah. Um. I no guess offense I can't. to the raven fans. Yeah, but uh, so it was kind of cool. Like he was showing us some trail cam pictures of deer that to him seemed normal, but to us were just astounding. I mean, I don't even know how to explain. Like I have a picture of the rack, but it doesn't do it any justice because there's not much to compare it to in size. Um, because I just, you're just holding it out. 
Yeah. But it's huge. Like, to hold a 180-inch deer, like, I thought mine was big, and mine is big, but. <sighs> yeah. So we um we get in the car. Now we're on our road trip back. I booked him a flight out of Nashville because uh, we were going to be driving through. But this is Friday, right? when we picked up our stuff, well, he doesn't fly out till Sunday. So we get there late, late, like midnight, 1 a.m. Mm-hmm. And, and the next day was just kind of chill, right? We watched the, we watched Michigan beat Penn State. Yeah. Um, and uh, then we looked it up and there was a cigar lounge about a quarter of a mile away. So we walked down the road, went there and watched Ohio State put a spanking on Purdue and uh, had a beer and a cigar. And then uh, we went downtown and got some food and then... Yeah came back and relaxed it was a nice way to end the trip for sure because we i mean so you guys have obviously listened to episode one now you've listened to episode two like we put a lot of work in for these deer so like people here like mike shot 115 inch deer i'm telling you right now when we got to the last day i was shooting that deer like i was I we had worked so hard i was gonna shoot that deer and it's a it's 150 almost 115 mainframe 10 it was bigger it was a different deer so we had actually set up trail cameras and he thought it was an eight point that we had on trail camera when we were yep. out there so he was pretty happy when we walked up and it was a 10 point yeah i, I mean i was pretty it's, happy it's, it's a mainframe 10 one of its browsers broken off but um time not not huge not huge time length but for me again it's my biggest deer so i'm pumped about it yeah we're trying to get joe to go out next year um, but I will say one aspect of the trip, um, if you're ever, uh, planning an out of state trip, I couldn't imagine doing it alone. I mean, you didn't do, you did yours with complete strangers, but you still weren't alone. No, I was, it's a, yeah, no, that was, that'd be tough. Yeah. That would definitely be tough. Like, like doing a trip like that with like by yourself. Like mentally, the, I don't know if we could have handled it. No, them, when you were like in a in a house or whatever, be we Airbnb, basement. Like yeah, I don't in a tent. What you were in a tent. yeah, yeah. But, no, I'm saying like them guys are like because I was like in a base camp. You know what I mean? Yeah, there yeah. was still there's still a sense of community. In yeah, people. you're you're seeing people. You know, there's you know your trucks right there just in case anything happens and all that but was the, it like an outfitter that did it or just a group of people that no it was out we were through outfitter okay okay so but they were still base camp because we were just 100 percent on our own found an airbnb and yeah. went yeah but like them guys that go out there and fucking go in the mountains for like seven days on their own fucking insane yeah well i would say the one thing this is one thing so i've gone to ohio a couple times but this was a different experience because uh I don't know. I don't know what it was different, but like mentally, I would have been done day, whatever day Six, it heated up. Five? The day it heated up, I was done. 82 degrees in November in Kansas. Right. Yeah. So I think part of the trip, and I talked about it a little bit last time. For me, and I'm guessing Mike, it was everything I could have hoped for um, and probably more. Now, if you would have asked me on day six, I would have said, this is a waste of my fucking time. And money. Yeah. Um, Because, again, we told you this before. My brother is back on my property in Corona sending us pictures of bucks and does (laughs) and deer. And we're sitting here, 550 bucks on a tag, 18 hours away, and we ain't seen shit. Yeah. Um, But but 
that's when you have to look like you have, you know, you guys obviously had a good relationship and all that, and you guys kept pushing each other. Yep. And, like, the worst thing could have been, like, you guys, I know there's a sense, like, you want to say it really, really sucks, but you don't want to, you don't want to keep dragging it down and make light of the situation. You're just like, okay, I can't be too negative because we got to keep going. You know, if you bring the morale down, it's going to yeah. make the trip so way fucking worse. That's one thing. If you're planning an out-of-state trip, you really need to choose who you're going with fairly wisely. Like, it better be someone you're getting along with because if you're going to an outfitter, like, and I'm, I'm just speaking for Whitetail because you were with Bear, and I'm sure that's way different. But if you're going for Whitetail, it's a little bit different. Like, you're going to be, you should be, if you're if it's a reputable outfitter, you should be seeing some deer every day, like, it's going to be a little bit different. But when you're doing a... Self-guided public land yeah. on out-of-state where you know nothing. There's going to be times where you're going to need that person to bring you back up. and Or slow you down at times. Yeah, and we did that a bunch. We were able to bounce ideas off of each other. And 110%, I do not think that either one of us alone... While our hunts were drastically different, either one of us alone, I don't know that we are able to have the success that we had. There's, so there's a couple of key moments, and we talked about this last time, of when it got low or I missed that buck, you saying what was going on. When it got to 80 degrees and you're ready to give up, I said, dude, we got five days left. Like, we got time. When we were stalking that deer, and we and, and I could tell you were getting jacked, you had the crossbow. It's like, look, we got four hours until dark. We don't got to rush this. Yep. We're already here. We're not getting back to our evening hunt. Take our time. It's like mm-hmm. we see the deer. Take our time. Um, it was great. We've been we've been teasing a little bit, but what did your uh, what did your bucks score, Minkus? So I will say it's a mainframe ten with a kicker point. Both brow tines are broke off, but it scored a hundred and forty two and two eights. And there's probably a good. If it hadn't broke its brows, it had another six, seven inches. I would say it would have been borderline 150. Right. It's got a uh, a split G2 on the left. Yep. Almost uh, like a tuning fork, I think is what you called it, Joe. Right? Yeah, it looks like a tuning fork. Yeah, tuning fork or wishbone. I think a lot of people just call them tuning forks. But. It is by far the biggest deer I've killed. By 25 inches. Yeah. Biggest deer I killed before this was in Ohio, 118 inches. Biggest Michigan deer I've killed, 115 inches that I got last year. Right. But, uh, I mean, going back to the the togetherness thing, like, when it did pay off was way different. I, I, don't, I mean, again, so, yeah. I'm, it's, yeah, it was so much different than even last year when I shot my Michigan buck. You know, I, I called you. I was jacked up. I wasn't here, though. It was so much different. Like, to experience the highs, the lows, the success together— I mean, I, I I could keep saying it, but the the trip itself, I don't know that I'm ever going to really be able to top this trip. I think as hard as we hunted and as hard as it was mentally early on is what made it so rewarding at the end, which is why we're going back to Kansas. Yeah. And we're trying to get Joe to experience this with us. The, 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 the best part the is... The brotherhood and the togetherness. I can't wait to tell this part. So... We're actually thinking about going on an outfitter this time. Not because 
we thought the public land thing was too hard. It was just uh, it's a bucket list. We another always want to use an outfitter at some point. Bucket list item for me is an outfitter. But who's the outfitter? Oh Matt? boy, the outfitter is actually the guy who came and tracked the dog or tracked my first deer. So I gave him a lot of shit about that. He did. He did his job. He did do his job. He did. We we talked to him about the outfitter stuff, right? Like, and he showed us pictures. He was showing us lodging six, pictures. Lodging, like he gave us enough information for me to think like maybe tracking isn't his deal, but deer guiding was. And it was very. The prices were very very reasonable for Kansas compared to what we found. Yeah, I would say it wasn't even much more than what we actually spent on the public uh-uh. hunt with the gas and the lodging and the tags and everything else. So, I right. mean, it wasn't like it was anything crazy. So, I think we'll, um, we would go back if it was public land, but we have this opportunity and we just want to try try the outfitter. But um, I could easily see this being a like annual annual thing that we do, at least until we draw for Iowa. The Iowa trip will be different, which, Joe, you have a couple. I keep trying to tell Joe to stop putting in Iowa points so he can come with us. but I totally, we only got one point in right now. Yeah, I totally understand him I not for, doing that. I know. I forgot this year. Well, you should forget next year, too. How many points do you have? Three. What, what, what do you typically need to be able to draw a tag? Four, but I heard some people with four this year did not draw. Depending on the area. D- depending yeah. on the area. There is some areas where you can do, like, two. Two, yeah. but, but they're they're not they're not trophy. I mean, I, I don't know that you've could heard be. this yet, but one of the employees that works with me, her family has about a thousand acres in Iowa with three different cabins on it. But I don't know the zone yet. But she's like, yeah, you can go out there and hunt. And I was like, well, it's not quite that easy. Yeah. But um, I, I think I think I got a lead on a thousand acres in Iowa. I just don't know where it is. So we probably need to figure that out first. Right. Yeah. So Joe is coming to uh, Kansas with us next year. Over the counter. No. <laughs> We're not doing this over the counter. No, there wasn't any over the counter left this year. Right. Know, this is yeah, the first yeah. year. This is the first year. Yeah, that's the inside joke. Well, yeah. He was good. I mean, it's you, not any cheaper to go over the counter. No, it's not. No. But it just it, allows it, you to procrastinate. It's it, yeah, and it's just like if you were already out there or whatever. Yeah. But it would sell out. I think it was selling out like uh-huh. b- yeah. before October. I mean, like mid October or something like that. Yeah. Well, we're thinking about going a little bit earlier. Uh, essentially, sometime in the last two weeks of October. Uh, so a little bit more pre-rut uh, for the outfitter because they typically pattern deer a little bit more. So it'll be a little bit different. So because ruts is chaos. Well, that and well, the private... ruts either what you just experienced high highs or low lows right. because they're they might be in lockdown. They might not be in your area. Mm-hmm. There might only be one doe in estrus, and all the big bucks are following that one doe around, and they're not going to be where you're at. Um, yeah. So the outfitter has bait. So that'd be a little bit different. Um, you don't have isn't. you don't have to hunt over feeders. They have they have some that are one fifty. I don't care if it's sucking. So on a he fucking had, corn they cob. had a one ninety two taken this year. Yeah, yeah. one ninety two. It can fucking be sucking on a corn cob, and I'll fuck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he showed us tons. I mean, it's he's trying to sell a hunt. It is what it is. He showed and us. They a only lot take. Of so they have twenty eight thousand acres, and they yeah. only take thirty five hunters a year. Yep, that's the only thing I like. Like I was gonna do a, a hunt in Ohio, like I think last year, and I was like reading reviews where was like, it Whitetail Heaven Outfitters? You gonna like blow someone up on the podcast? No, no, I, I have no problem blowing it. I, I, no, if, if but I, I heard, is... yeah, but no, but um, <laughs> just say it. No, no, it wasn't them. 
absolutely not. Um, I heard like people like, dude, like they were like, people were like, like they were told to go there and like they were talking like in a group. They said, hey, when you go to this tree stand, put a little mark in, in, a, in a branch because they wanted to prove that how many people were sitting in a stand. And somebody took a picture by mid-November and there was 42 yeah. 42 notches in there. They That's like it, every sit. Yeah, uh, every day. They call it the uh, puppy mill for hunters. Yeah. I, well, they don't know any better? That's where they go? No, it's because they're just blowing people, so many people through that. Right. So these guys only, think about this. They only take 35 hunters a year on 28,000 acres. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see. Maybe next year. Maybe next year we will uh, have an, a cool outfitter story, or we're going to come back and say, uh, well, the outfitter was just as useful as the uh, tracking right. thing. I mean, for me, it's it's a little bit more about the experience. I don't think that the outfitter story will be nearly as cool as the stalking story. Stalking story, but it uh, it was either way. The trip itself was. So we had we had a lot of firsts here, right? And maybe maybe this is where we we kind of wrap it up because I'm sure we've been over our uh, no. a lot of time over here with Joe. Um, first time in Kansas, first time for me hunting with a crossbow, really. Um, first with the decoy. The decoy, yeah, the decoy was cool. So like, the tracking story was or the the stalking story was cool because we were together for it. Yeah. But the stalking story was one of those moments where you you're like, man, I wish I would have had a video camera. We've talked about that. I tell you what, I'm so glad that I took those pictures. What happened is, I pulled out my phone to look at uh, hunt stand and try to look at the topography so I could see if there was another little like gully or valley up there. But it wasn't enough that it showed up on that. And I'm like, I should take a picture of this. Um, and I think what I initially did is I took a snapshot of like Snapchat of you crawling and then back at my face and just sent it to you. And then I was like, I'm going to take some pictures. And I kept pulling my phone back out and taking a video and taking a picture. I must have 80 pictures of you crawling through this grass. Uh, yeah. And it, it just adds a lot to the story because people can like relive it almost. Well, because you can see in the pictures how far away we are. From the patch of trees. Closer, it's like 100 yards, closer, 70 yards, closer. 30 yards. But like for your decoy, like man. It's perfect. Yeah. If, if we, I just, because I didn't get to sit there like and live it with you. I, it's like, man, I wish you had a camera so I could just keep well, watching. Well, that's, that's one of those hunts that I could have self-filmed because the yeah. way the deer came in, there was so much cover. You know, I could have turned it and he w- would have walked right into the frame. And um, I've never done any self-filming. I'm I'm not a good enough hunter to even kill big bucks that frequently to think that I can try <laughs> to self-film as well. I'm not uh, saying this would happen, but this is how I am. And I self-film. Um, I currently am not taking the camera out because I set it up. 16,000 fucking times and I just go it just, right. it just beats you up because you're just like but in, but in Kansas if you're doing all day sits yeah. you know, it, it may make sense but um, I'll tell you this is the first year well maybe first year and a half that I've paid attention and, and hunted smart in the past and I mentioned this on the other podcast I've been the guy that's like, I'm going to go sit in the stand because that's where I want to sit. And somebody, I don't look at the, I never looked at the wind. I don't look at the weather. I literally would just go sit in the same stand. I'd get locked in on one stand. But actually paying attention and hunting smart and using the wind and using the thermals and using the resources that I have, whether you believe in decoys or blind calling or rattling or whatever it was, there's a lot of tools and um, we got a chance to, to use them and had some success with them. Yeah. 
a lot. I mean, I it, it was only two deer, but it was both. But we both got our biggest buck. Yeah, that's what we went to Kansas for. That's exactly why we went. To you Kansas. wanted a three year old one one thirty plus. That's yeah. what you wanted. Yeah, and the I walked out with one forty two. Yeah, and that deer's got to be four and a half. Oh yeah, yeah. I would say easy for one four and a half. Um, and then you, you walked out with a hundred and fifteen inch. Yeah. Ten point. Um, right. So. <laughs> I don't even know what you just did. That's a three and a half. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Uh, is just, this is this going back to your 120 inch uh, dude? One that, and a half year old. That buck? is a one and a half year old deer. I don't care what anybody says and can convince me. Maybe, I would shoot him today if that was just in, to prove a point. If that was in Kansas, I might I might say, ah, oh, one one and a What's half. What's the year difference old between Michigan and Kansas? Uh, people don't shoot. Year and a half year old deer in Kansas, and I wouldn't shoot it in Michigan, and I didn't shoot it in Michigan. There's a 120 inch deer, like that. Anyways, I'm not you guys, even going. You down guys, there. I listened to this podcast in the truck as I was driving. Actually, I don't know where I was driving, but I was driving somewhere, and I'm like, "Are these guys serious right now? These guys are." This is great because I think I mentioned this. I, this is the first time I met Joe. Mm-hmm. When we were talking on the phone after Matt shot his buck, I said, "Your guys' podcast is just insane because the, you guys can only agree on two things." You like to shoot bows, and you should hunt the wind. Everything else on your strategy is 100% different on where you want to hunt, how you hunt, calling, not calling. Um, some people is, are wrong. Just, some people are right. You won't say names. Uh, it, is, <laughs> <laughs> it is just uh, – it is great. It's great to be a part of it. I'm, I'm you would you love hunting here. Kansas because your only options are – Field edges. Yeah. Oh, is it? Yeah. <laughs> That's all there is. I've been Every, going, everything is a field edge. I've only shot, or I only hunt the field edge of that corner of that property two times. No, three times, I guess. So I will say, I think that your opinion on calling would change if you were hunting a different yeah. property. Yeah, I know. Yeah, if it wasn't that property. Because I don't think I liked. Make, so I didn't do much calling actually until you took me turkey hunting. And like the vocalizations back and forth and the interactiveness of turkey hunting just adds a whole nother element. And I think that's what I want whitetail hunting to be. It's just more interactive uh, versus just sitting there and being bored for hours waiting for something. Which It feels like I'm actually, it's changed my strategy now from where I hunt to what I'm doing from being just passive and just sitting somewhere to actually forcing myself to be a little bit more aggressive and get myself into the action versus waiting for the action to come to me. Which stalking a 140 inch deer did not help that situation. No, like I'll tell you, we come back to Michigan and I wasn't, I guess, amped up to like I could have cared less. I've only hunted once since we came back, and uh, it's gun season right now too. Yeah, so for me, it was just like, how do you go from that? To come back to Michigan. And I don't want to bag ha- on Michigan. No, you have to enjoy it just in a different way. Yeah, um, like, I don't want to bag on Michigan. It's just, it's taken me a little bit t- of time to... Uh... Michigan gets a bad rap, and people think that there's no deer. There's actually a the deer hurt. There's a, a lot of volume of deer. It's just the age class. Yeah, it's the age class. But, I mean, I, it's just, I gotta... But we were also hunting in Kansas in the unknown, right? We didn't know what was over this hill. We didn't know it was across that river. And there's something to hunting public land and just the unknown 
having we did put cameras up, but we only did it one night and got a got a block. Well, it's just because the out. cameras didn't work the rest of the time. Uh, yeah, the the cards were, weren't formatted correctly. Oh, uh, but anyway, were they sell cams or no? No, no, no. No, these no. were cheap. These were wild games that had to been. <sighs> no, the one we got the buck on was well, it was like a sixty dollar camera. But anyways, it um you don't know what's around every corner. You don't know what's going to be there. It's it's just a new journey, and um. It was just super cool that now, coming back to private land, the lease that we have together in private, we've had cameras out all year. Like, we know what bucks are on camera. We know what's there. It's just a completely different well, level of Well, we've hunted them for a couple of years, so we know what to expect. Like, I know I can sit in that tower blind and watch deer walk out into the neighbor's field all night. Yeah, I um, think 30 from there tonight. And maybe one of them will be a buck big enough to shoot. I'm, I'm honestly more jacked up for the fact that next weekend um, I'm taking Easton out and yeah. I'm going to shoot a doe if it walks by. Yeah. All and right. I'm a little nervous about a buck. I'm going to be honest because I'm afraid like a six point's going to walk by and Easton's going to be like, shoot it. And and you're going to have to do it. Yeah, it's going to be unfortunate for the six point because he's going to get shot. And I'm going to be happy as shit about shooting. Like Are you going to let him pull the trigger? Like on your he shoulder, won't, he won't do it because he hasn't shot. Like if it's enough. if it's on your shoulder ready, you won't let him pull the trigger. I would, but he won't do it. Oh, he, okay. He's just he's still a little passive about guns that big. Okay. I've only had him shooting like a pellet well, rifle he's and five. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, but no, if if a six point comes out and he's like shoot it, shoot it. Sorry, buddy. He gone. <laughs> <laughs> so, but so no, what do you, Joe. What do you think? Kansas, twenty twenty two. Yeah, if I if we can get a tag, hopefully. So we uh we'll have to submit in April, and um the two guys who went with us this year are not they they, they, they sounded like they weren't gonna want to go. No. Yeah. Uh, but I got a good a, a good buddy that I work with uh, that I used to hunt with back in Georgia, that um he's excited, he's pumped, he's jacked. So well, it's probably not hard when you just show him. Right. We just shot. Right. And we're telling them we're going on an outfitter. I didn't even send him the picture of your buck. Oh, okay. Um, so he's all about it. He's all about it. So so hopefully we got a four, Joe, if you're in. Yeah. Uh come uh we need to um call and put our uh deposit down probably, yeah. but we won't know for sure. Tags submit in April. We think we found out in May or June, right? Yeah, it wasn't very long. We didn't have to wait. It was a lot quicker than I thought, but Worst case scenario, we don't get drawn. We choose another state, and then with one preference point in Kansas, you're going to get Guaranteed drawn. Guaranteed next year. Yeah. So. so, yeah. I'm glad we got to finally share this story. Yeah. Um, it's been fucking chaos I, with you being gone and me being gone. I mean, I, I know a lot of people are hunting right now, so like, yeah, it's, it's just been such – I think everybody understands. Like, It's just been like episodes are like coming out late and all that, and – we didn't have no. We literally had no time. We were so nervous the first week in Kansas. We were gonna have no content for the podcast. Yeah, that's. <laughs> I have no content. We, did, we talked. We talked about recording like two episodes while we were there, and it wasn't until after we both shot our bucks, like two days left, that we're like, "Well, we were in a we're in a good enough mental state that we feel like we could actually do this." Oh, podcast I couldn't then. imagine of trying to have done a podcast on day six. It'd been like, "Yeah, this is super cool." Yeah. It's hot. It's Thanks a lot, windy. Kansas. There's no people here. The time changed, so the gas station's not open when we leave anymore. Like uh, every- the the only we we literally survived for ten days only shopping at the Dollar General. Oh really? Oh yeah. Was was there Casey's out there? Casey gas station. Dude, there wasn't shit out there. There was like a little small about? gas station. 
Mm. There was a there was a Dollar General, and then there was a uh, there was a little grocery store that we didn't even go into. Yeah. And then there was one gas station that let you go inside. There was another gas station that was just pumps. I think it was just for farm farm equipment. And yeah. Stuff. Yeah. But there was nothing. And one little, I don't even know if I'd call it a sports bar, but it was a little bar. Uh, they had some good food, and they were cool inside. People were there. Yeah, there was a sporting goods store, and the guy <laughs> next door was like, there ain't no, no, much no. in it. But. So we're, we're, at the, we're sitting at the bar after we both, the, the day after we get our bucks, right? And we're sitting there, and we're just kind of pissing around on Thursday. And um, we said, hey, what's up with that sporting goods store? And one of the locals that's lived in this town his entire life goes, what are you talking about? And they're like, well, we'll just ask Bobby down at the end. And Bobby's at the end of the bar. He goes, yeah, my office is right next to that. And I don't know why this guy in Kansas sounds like he's from Alabama. He does it. That's just my country accent. Mm. Um, yeah, I got the key to it. Uh, my buddy owns it. And uh, there's a few things in there if you're looking for this or for that. Uh, but I can take you on in there if you want. And we're like. No, we're, it's good. We're okay. We walked it's like, in. It's like open by appointment only. Like, <laughs> yeah. We walked in and I started talking and the guy goes, where are you guys from? I said, oh, from Michigan. Oh, He yeah. goes, oh, I could tell by your accent. I said, what? Like my accent? Like <laughs> what are you talking about? So the people were in Kansas. Were they were great. Because you hear, I, I've listened to quite a few other stories and, and you hear some of these other podcasts and you hear people talking about going to Kansas hunting Weehaw and coming out and their, and their valve stems are kicked off the tires and the tires are flat vehicles damaged. Yeah. And you hear about these horror stories of locals, just like essentially like you can't hunt here. Don't be here. Don't do that. But we didn't experience that. Like the, the land was desolate. The terrain was different. The, the land was hard on us, but the people from the road grader from the very first day to even anybody the guy, that we even talked the hunter to, we walked, we the hunter through. was great. Everybody in the local towns, they it was it was they were great. Mm-hmm. The the people in Kansas were were really good. Besides the people, you know, just throw them out. But uh, were they? Did you still think you went too far west? Yes. Yeah. It was simply there was just less volume of Weehaw to hunt okay. because there a lot of the Weehaw was just CRP or Milo fields, and it would have been great for any like upland bird hunting. Uh, like pheasant season was opening after we did see a big old pheasant one day. Yeah, uh, I the chased pheasant it down. season opened the day after we left. But for deer habitat, probably only twenty percent of the Weehaw in the area was actually decent deer habitat that had any tree you could even put a stand in. Yeah. As you move further east, actually as we were driving, we we're like, this feels more like what we're used to. Yeah. So the habitat gets more consistent with what we're used to in Michigan with ag and, and more timber and more woods, still creek bottoms. Um but there's a lot more volume of weeha available. So it just seems like more dense deer habitat, which I don't know if that's going to be good or bad to be honest, but but um I think we're going to run in so we're going to run into more people, but like so for example, one issue you ran into is if you were within 30 minutes of a town that you could stay in, you were going to have people on that weeha. So the, that, the the problem was is when we looked on Airbnb and and VRBO there was one location. That's where we stayed. There was nowhere else within an hour. Mm. Not one house, not one rental. The only other place we could stay would have been another 40 minutes away at a Hampton Inn. And that then would have put us almost two hours away from where we were hunting. Yep. So just, there's not a lot of options for places to stay, things to do. Um, but honestly, 
we liked the one zone we went to, the unit we went to. The other one, nobody hunted in because there wasn't anything over there. There was one spot, and we went. We literally scouted this one spot, and there were eight other people scouting it. Yeah, at the same time. Damn. We literally saw eight different cars pull in and pull out. So, um, although the, the outfitter we're looking at isn't that far east, they're north and they're northeast about an hour and a half, which is not that far in Kansas. How far in, from Nebraska? Um, hour I'm not sure. Half, probably two hours. Yeah, probably an hour and a half. Um, but yeah, I think um, I'd go back to the, I'd go back to the one unit we were in. Yeah. So the we issue is, so you have there. two units, but. We were delegated to one, and that one unit only had a handful of spots. There were probably legit, within an hour drive time, only seven or eight pieces of property that we would want to hunt based on deer habitat. Whereas if we would have had two units with, I mean, so like, if you walk into a spot, and we got lucky that the spot we found where you shot your deer, um, we were actually told about that spot by a we, buddy we never would have drove out that way probably no I, w- I thought it was gonna be too far um we would have never went there um had uh, my buddy not told us about it but um if you go to a spot and there's pressure it's not like you get to your options are a sit there or b like you're you're taking a pretty steep decline in what you're hunting and the thing is is you don't know there you can see current pressure but what you don't know is we're hunting the first week in November. That season's been open for a month. Yeah. What's the pressure been like the last month in there? Like you don't, you really can't determine what the pressure is the week before. How many bucks have already been taken? Have how many big bucks have been taken? What's on the property? Have they already run around? We could have went into that property day one and not seen deer because someone was just tromping through there with their dog looking for a deer the day before. So it's it's a little bit of the unknown. Um, but I'll tell you what, it was it was a lot of fun. Yeah, but I would, I would either go farther north or a little farther east, but I wouldn't. The second unit I picked, I would go back to that. Do you think you would have got your tags still if you would have went? Those are harder draw areas. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But you get four options. You get you get four options. I'm not a hundred percent how it all works, but one thing that's a huge benefit is applying as a group. Right. If one gets drawn, everyone gets drawn. So if you're applying as like one or two, I mean, actually having four people in your group is going to help you because then you're yeah. versus one person applying versus four, your odds go up essentially four times. Yep. I think so. I do know like the farther like southeast Kansas is the absolute hardest to draw. So I, I would never, never put in for that because. Even if I do get drawn, I'm going to deal with a lot more pressure than what we dealt with. That area in general is also going to have a lot more in-state because the population density in Kansas on the east side where you got Kansas City on the northeast corner, you got Wichita, you got you got all their main, Topeka, a lot of their major cities are on that eastern, eastern one-third. So there's more people in those suburbs that are going to be driving out and hunting Weehaw versus where we were at. There's not a lot of locals. No. And so... Everybody that we ran into was um, out of staters. Yeah, I mean uh, the Cactus Cafe where we went for lunch. (laughs) Yeah, those dudes didn't seem too. Those out of staters, they talked to us, but they weren't too thrilled about giving us much information. But um, I would steer away from the second unit I chose, 
and either take the same unit I was in and go north. Um, I don't think we could go east because the eastern part of the unit where we shot our deer didn't have shit for Weeha. Uh-uh. So it would it would just delegate us to the same type of situation we were in. Um, but it would been it would have been nice to have more options. That was a bit of a frustration at times. Although you know what, we both left with uh, with nice nice bucks and good stories. So yeah, success. out of the four of us that went though, we you know we're fifty percent, which. Now, I will say, when I originally drew my tags, some of the buddies that I talked to and have gone down there about laughed me out of their house when I told them where I was at. They did not They did not think we were coming home with a deer, I'll tell you that much. Yeah. <laughs> so the fact that we did, and it, it makes it even better. So, and, and my brother and Tyler both saw shooters. They, they had 140s, anywhere from, they saw... They had opportunities at bucks from 120 to 140 multiple times. Yeah, they they had op- they had chances. It just didn't come together um, as far as being able to get the right shot and the right opportunity. That that's really all it came down to mm-hmm. for them. So, no, I uh, I had a fantastic time in Kansas. It's a week later coming back from Kansas, and I still find myself mentally going back. So I was supposed to fly up here for this work trip, just for those, that are, <laughs> just for those that are wondering. So I, I had to call my wife and convince her that I needed to drive and leave earlier and come back later, so I could bring up Minkus's bow, his XOP stand, his antlers, and all of the deer meat because none of those things are very easy to take on an airplane. So I ended up driving 11 hours today instead of flying for two and a half, um, so he could get all of his stuff. Yes. And, and Joe's podcast stuff that we uh, used when we were in Kansas for episode one. Yeah, I'm super happy you did that because, yeah, I mean, it's super cool. 142. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that uh, I this is will easily be our longest podcast, but that's going to <laughs> be. Uh, that'll probably wrap it up for this. Um, hopefully we have some cool Michigan stories to share. Uh, Joe's got a pick the bow up because he's only using a bow and just shoot at anything at this point. Um, and then um, mid-December, we'll probably be talking about how we all, all three of us here uh, booked our outfitter for Kansas for next year. Right, Joe? Yeah. yeah. Yep. And then uh, December will be winding down. I'll be in full it's, doe mode. It, I was going to say, time. it's getting close to some doe slaying time. It, yeah. It's going to be uh, uh, doe days here shortly because lo- – the the does at my property are running rampant, and we we got to even that out a bit. We need to take good seven ten does off that property. Oh, so. I'll drop them all night. All you night. don't have any room in the freezer at this point. It's um, fine. It's I got. Full of I have kids. two doe tags, and I got a buddy that wants two deer, so that problem uh, solved. So doe doe days are coming up here. I I usually try not to shoot does till December, um, or, or early season or late season. But um, I'm in Michigan for two more days. I probably got three hunts in me, hopefully, while I'm here, in between all these meetings I got. Uh, I tried to schedule those in the middle of the day. I'm going to bet we're dragging a doe out in the next couple of days. I got to <sighs> tomorrow and Tuesday off. I don't have a doe tag. I already used my doe tag here. So you'll have to shoot them, and I'll help you drag them. Oh, yeah, you'll have to figure that out then, buddy. Yeah, because your out-of-state second doe tag is $120. $120 and you own the land. <laughs> That's so fucking dumb. <laughs> So. Who pays? Who pays two hundred and twenty dollars to come hunt Michigan? This guy, right yeah. here. Um, it's just crazy. So, anyways. Uh, so yeah, I guess uh, 
we'll wrap her up unless you got anything else, no, Joe. I appreciate you coming on. Yeah. Yeah, I had a good time. Yeah. Joe, hopefully uh, you get to share a story next year and hopefully you get to share one this year. Oh, yeah. <laughs> do, you have any, do you have any out-of-state stuff for the rest of the year or no? No. I thought you were going to go to Ohio. I was, but uh, I talked to a couple guys down there and they said it was slammed. Did they? Yeah. I talked to a couple people and they said, dude, they, you couldn't, couldn't, I couldn't get a hotel. Couldn't get a hotel down there. Wow. Everything was booked. Air, Airbnbs were so much money. It was just like, the price of everything right now is just nuts. Yeah. It, it's, and well, if it makes you feel better, my father in law and his brothers went down there. Nothing. They didn't see a thing. They yeah. seen six does. My father in law seen six does. Yeah. So I just, I hunt it hard up here. I did a lot of stuff around my house too. And somehow I ended up at work on vacation, but that was dumb. <laughs> but I hunt it hard. And I seen a lot of nice deer, but I just couldn't con- connect with anything. I will say, guys, Joe, I give Joe a lot of <laughs> shit for not shooting deer um, or shooting at deer. He does pass a lot of deer, but he also has the worst luck. So yeah. his brother-in-law has missed a big buck during bow, right? Three times. And then he's... The same sh- buck? Same buck. <laughs> <laughs> and, he, and he missed it again for gun. He thought he hit it, and then... Then he shot a 130-inch 10-point the other day. Yeah. Oh, man. 20. Dropped he, it? I don't know if he dropped it, but I don't know. So well, he, I he retrieved it. Yeah, he oh, got it. He okay. got it. I'll show you a picture. Uh, Joe but here. 20 yards from my stand. 20 <laughs> yards from my stand. And you know what the funny thing is, too, because he, he was talking to me. And, you know, this is all, you know... It, this is what hunting is, you know, what if and what all that. He goes, hey, man, I sat on this ladder stand. I haven't sat this ladder stand all year because I've been doing my presets and saddles and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like, ah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to the preset. He's like, man, I swear they're not coming back there and all that. So he's sitting in this ladder stand. I sit in this ladder stand, that fucking buck that he shot walked 20 yards north of that stand. And then this time... When he shot the he shot that buck at it was it was almost twenty yards from my this way and then it was only thirty yards from the ladder stand and that was literally two days I, later. I I appreciate how bullish you are to stick with the archery equipment all year long, but I don't know that I could do it. It's not it's not that it's so he does that I I won't do it. That's why I bought a three fifty, and like he hasn't. When's the last time you shot a buck? Two years ago. And He's he passed won't, 120 inch. Uh, yeah, he won't. Year and a half year olds. He <laughs> will not. Uh, he won't. Uh, he won't shoot anything. He he will not lower his standards. What what? Are, so what are those standards? It's Pope and Young, but I think I've already passed Pope and Young. Yeah, stop doing that. I think I passed the Pope. <laughs> what's what's the what's the floor? What is it? Uh, it's got to be tradition. It's got to be archery. Yeah. Yeah. Com- 125. Yeah. Is it 125? Yeah, yeah. 125. So. Mine is Pope and Young, but this, I shot it with a That's gun. the one. Okay. Yeah, I, that looks like that would score all of 125 plus, plus, plus. Yeah, so that's the one. But there's bigger ones. Like, there's bigger ones. That's the thing is I got this freaking... Last year, I got super stuck on this one book. I call them Coke cans because his main beams off his head are bigger than a Coke can. And then... um. And then I got stuck on him, and I haven't seen him this year. And then I've seen some pretty freaking big ones. So, but I don't know, man. It's just, I'm getting my ki- teeth kicked in, but I just don't want to lower my. No one wants. You're not to go even in. lowering your standard. You're just choosing. You're just literally getting a trail camera picture of a deer and going, "Yep," and then never seeing it. Well, 
I I haven't even gotten trail cameras though. I've not got. You're killing me, dude. I just don't. I got something in my head, and I'm gonna stick to it. If I have to burn a tag, I'll burn a tag. Well, we got to get you. I got year and a half year old that are almost 120 we'll, we'll take some inches. Does, though, so no, he can't. The farmer won't. Oh, let that's him. right. I, yeah, I can't take does. <laughs> so man, we gotta find somewhere else for you to hunt so you can shoot some does. Yeah, at least get 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 the bow off the hook. So the so this this deer right here, that's 250 yards away. Okay. Yeah. And then, oh. he showed me pictures on his phone of some big bucks. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then okay, not this, big for Michigan, just big for big. Yeah. yeah. So, this is him from the back view. Yeah. yeah I'd send it. Yeah. Why? 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 Uh, yeah. You know, that one, I would send it. Yeah. You know, but, you know, if you had a, a gun, you could actually shoot that thing at two hundred yards. No, I just, dude. Like I said, I told the story already. I had a gun in my hand. I shot a doe. I'm on the phone with my bu- my buddy. And, going, and you just weren't that excited. Talking, talking, another doe comes out. I'm like, hey, just a second. <laughs> just shot another one. And then, I, and then I was just like, when I was doing it, I was like, man, this is not fun for me. Yeah. So I, I get, for does, especially at some properties, it's like fish in a barrel. Yeah. Um, but I think sh- hunting mature bucks during that time of year with a gun still has a level of like sportsmanship and difficulty. Oh, yeah, for sure. I'm not taking away at all. I mean... They go that you know their whole thing changes when that you know November fifteenth yeah. hit. So there were a lot of shots tonight too. I just like that chess chess match of I found you. You know what yeah. I mean? You want I, you want uh, like close range hand to hand combat? No, yeah. I, I mean it'll be exciting when I get the text or the phone call like, hey, I need you to come help me track this deer. Hey, I finally put an arrow in a big buck because it's been a long time coming, and I get. I get on you so much about just shoot at something at this point. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it'll I, be I I commend you though. I appreciate. Yeah, that. I mean, you're a stronger person than me. Don't uh, let don't let this guy peer pressure. But uh, I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to the time when you tell me, "Hey, I uh, I finally stuck one," and we get to tell that story because it'll yeah. be well worth it at that point. Uh, it'll be. Pretty exciting. We'll, so. we'll see if we can get you on a big one in Kansas. No, I bet you'll get your bow up in Kansas. I'll guarantee you'll get your bow up in Kansas. No. So. All right. All right. Well, until next time, um, I'm not sure what we're going to talk about next week. We'll just wing it just like we do every week. Yeah. We're not so, that good. Yeah. So, Mike, thanks for coming on. Thanks for Appreciate sharing the trip to Kansas. Do you want to shout out anything or anything like that? Or I mean, yeah, I don't have I don't have much to shout out. So uh, I mean, like you don't anybody want anybody? Yeah, Instagram or anything you want to shout yeah. or not? No, I mean, uh, if you look up Mike Hemby on Facebook, you're gonna find me, but you're not gonna find much about hunting or any of that. It's no. pretty much just work stuff. So uh, I don't even think I got a picture of my buck on there to be honest with you. It is very uh, politically correct based on some of the organizations that I have to work with or that I get to work right. with down south. So um, yep, I'm sure I'll talk to you guys again. Hopefully, I can. Uh, Get something next couple days, and there'll be a chance to tell another story. So, appreciate it. Yeah. All right. All right.